and ordered the military forces of the United States to take out this is a different kind of war. We are making progress, 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 progress. Pesito. Adios, Sarge. Say a prayer for Surf Boy. Whoever he is. Semper Fi, soldier. Semper Fi. Sick transit Gloria. Maybe we'll meet again someday. When the fighting stops. Tag him and bag him, Jerry's We're moving out. See him out. I don't know, but I've been called. I don't know, but I don't know. Hello, Esposito. Will you marry me, Lechon? You bet I will. in 15 seconds after the hour of 11 and this is the month of January in the year of our Lord 2009. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 to talk of this, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Cavalcade of Amusements and Diversions. Uh, thank you for joining us. It is Friday and welcome to Day 12. It is Friday, January the 16th. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us here. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 2970 on this uh, Friday. If you would like to join us with your comments, questions, clarifications, conventions, amusements, ruminations, ponderings. Uh, uh, if you uh, want to get on board, it is 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by. I always say that, but it's not really true. It, it, sometimes it's true because Richie will be back in his call screening room right now. Not technically true. If you call in. He's not really standing by. He's not even sitting by. He's nowhere near the phone. He's over here to my uh, to my right. Theoretically, it's some sort of a figurative sense he's standing by. Uh, if you call now, you won't be screened by anybody at all. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, 503-733-2970. Uh, if you want to email, you can do that as well. It is uh, rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am or richie with a T at 970.am. Let me get this out of the way because I always forget to do this. I'm not going to be sidetracked by this, but I'm just going to say, Rick, 
This email says, I'd like to make a small request. Please don't everybody email with things like this. I'd like to make a small request on Friday, today. Could you wish my son Travis a happy 19th birthday? He listens to you every day, podcasts all your shows, and is one of the glorious bastards. It would truly make his day. The only things he's requested from us uh, are Dexter Season 1 and a case of Viso. God bless you, uh, Travis. You're a good person. I got those covered. Thanks, Rick. Uh, you are the best, along with Sarah and the spirit of Tim. And I'm assuming she means Richie as well. Uh, so anyway, best show ever. Uh, Gene. So there you go. All right. Thank you, Gene. And uh, happy birthday, Travis. How old is he? 19. All right. There you go. Uh, so fantastic. Happy birthday. This is your official notice that I wished you a you know, birthday greeting and you found me to be warm and sincere. It's 503-733-2970. If you'd like to join us, coming up later on today's program, CNN Radio Correspondent Lisa Desjardins will join us actually here in just a few short minutes. Uh, we will talk about uh, last night's George W. Bush squints imperceptibly at things and says goodbye. It's 503-733-2970 if you would like to be part of that. Later on, Steve Kastenbaum will join us uh, from New York City. We'll talk about, I guess, what we're now legally required to call Miracle on the Hudson. Uh, what else? Which is not to be confused with Moscow and the Hudson. Uh, also, Cena Radio correspondent Ed McCarthy uh, will join us. Later on in the program, uh, Scott Daly will be here from... I don't think it's called Film Fever Radio anymore. I think they've changed it. What? I think it's Geek in the City Radio. But I, I could be wrong about that. What? Uh, maybe that's just Aaron trying to muscle somebody out. What? What? Did I say that? Anyway, I don't think they call it Film Fever Radio anymore. I think I mean, I mean, think that domain name still works, but I think they've changed the name of the, of the, the podcast to something else. Well, whatever. Anyway, Scott Daly will be here uh, later on. He'll be doing a top five of some sort uh, as well. Uh, in the news hour today, we'll be joined by Lisa Hughes, who, among other things, graced uh, televisions across Portland. I think at one point, uh, sort of side by side with our friend Richard Nunn, who's kind of vanished into the ether. Uh, that's coming up. Let's see what else. Uh, Bushwatch coming up today. Jock Watch, which is great. It's so great that I'm going to read it myself. And that, I don't mean to impugn uh, the news reading abilities of Lisa Hughes, uh, who will be here later on today. By the way, next week. Uh, we will have uh, other laid-off uh, Portland media professionals filling in for laid-off Portland media professional Tim Riley, among them Darcy Zettler from PDX 49. That's very exciting. Uh, so we have this, this jock watch today that is so great. I'm going to read it myself, even though the news person typically does the watches. I'm going to read it just, I want, just because there's lines that I want to be able to deliver just so. It's about, you may have already heard this, it's about, uh, it's about New York Nick, Eddie Curry. Richie, have you heard this story? Uh, you know who Eddie Curry is? Uh-uh. Apparently, he's the center for the New York Knickerbockers, uh, which are a... Uh, oh, Knicks. Yeah, they are a football team. No, 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 but Danny King basketball. Cannon... Basketball. Danny King Cannon says Knickerbockers. It's basketball. Because it's because it's wacky. Yes. Uh, you said football. Did I say football? Uh -huh. Hi, hello, how are you? By yeah, the way, that was, the same. that was this show in a nutshell right now, because <laughs> I was saying New York... I, I, was, I was trying to be uh, so, uh, like, overly elaborative, because there's that episode where Danny King Cannon is talking to C.J. Craig... And he comes to so CJ, if you're not doing anything tonight, there's this uh, basketball team. They're called the uh, the New York uh, Knickerbockers, and I thought you might want to go see them play tonight uh, in a sort of sporting event because he's all nervous because he's terrified around women and so forth. And so I got the West Wing thing right. Actually, I got the entire sport wrong. Yes, they are a basketball team. Anyway, so Eddie Curry, who plays uh, center for the Knicks. Great story involving him right there. We'll get to that uh, in just a bit. Let's see what else. Uh, snuff Watch. Did I say Snuff Watch? Snuff Watch. 
Uh, we'll get to that as well. And if you can believe it, we have not one but two Joy of Christmases. <laughs> you know it's January 16th, right? You know what? If people are still reporting horrible things that happened on Christmas, who are we to deprive the people? No, that's true. You're right, Sarah. It's mm-hmm. not our job to pass judgment. I, I mean, just think we... there was a new Christmas story that came out today that's awesome. All right. Well, how can we not get to it? Exactly. And by awesome, I mean terrible. Yeah. Well, I've said that you have been highlighting things like a mad woman over there, so. I have a brand new highlighter. Yeah. That's amazing. I don't even know what some of the news... All I know is that I got like three different piles of news over here, and you've just Dude, been... Uh, I have like this huge pile of stuff, and I don't know. I'm just like reading through it. I'm like, I don't know what order I should put this in. What are they? I mean, are they jo- this is Joy of Christmas stuff? Not Joy of Christmas stuff, just like regular stories. I don't know. I was going through them. I'm like... Give me the headlines. Okay. Just go... Is that that pile in your hand, the orange paper? Are yes. we still printing things on orange paper? Orange and green today. Oh, for the love of God. All right, I feel like killing suspect wrote on Facebook... Businessman cuts off on fingers in court after judge refuses to offer to settle his debt. A pantsless woman runs through IHOP. Convicted pedophile can continue naked trips to a theme park. Invisible surgery appendixes can be removed through patients' vaginas. Wow. Okay. Thanks so much. That's great. Think those are good? I think those are all in the A pile, Sarah. Okay, I'll Every one of them. Those are all must-get-to stories. I Gets our silliness. Oh, by the way, let me balance out the A pile with this. I'm going to file this under things I could not possibly care less about, and it strike me as unbelievably pretentious. Casey Affleck, who I do I do quite like, by the way. I got nothing wrong with. I have nothing against the Affleck family. Isn't he a Scientologist? I don't know. Isn't everybody? I mean, basically everybody but us. I mean, they're they're. I get the feeling sort of everyone in the world has become a Scientologist, including Will Smith. Well, I, I, or maybe not. I don't know. I don't think he's ever actually admitted. But I think Will Smith didn't he just give like a hundred grand to the Church of Scientology while yes. insisting he is not in fact a Scientologist? Get him and like Jennifer Lopez and all those people. Anyway, Casey Affleck, listen to this. Is, you want to talk about something? That's the very definition of I'm never ever ever going to watch this, even when it's on at 3 a.m. on the Sundance Channel, which is the only place it'll ever air. Casey Affleck will be directing a documentary about the musical career of Joaquin Phoenix. And I'm not making this up. It's right here. The Hollywood Reporter. Affleck is directing a documentary feature on Joaquin Phoenix. And the actor's musical performances. There you go. Put that on your to-don't list. Uh, what else? Well, that's pretty much it for now. It's uh, 503-733-2970. So Lisa Desjardins, Ed McCarthy, Steve Katzman on the top five. Uh, Bushwatch, Jockwatch, Snuffwatch, Lisa Hughes will be here. Uh, Scott Daly will join us as well. We'll talk a bit about uh, the, the AM970 listener bailout, which is actually uh, kicking into gear this week, which we will start Monday. Basically, each and every weekend, we do the Glorious Bastard of the Week, and we'll do that actually later on today as well. But each and every Monday... We're going to begin uh, giving something away to a listener who has been uh, involuntarily uh, unemployed. So if you've been laid off, you've been fired, you've been downsized, you've been streamlined, uh, each and every Monday uh, we are going to be giving something away to an unemployed listener. There's a, there's a the newsletter, like an email that went out about that to the Glorious Bastards. But if you, you didn't get it or you're not a Glorious Bastard or you didn't see the email, you go to 970.am. 970.am, you find out about this. The AM 970 listener bailout, uh, which is brought to you by the good folks at Elliott Law Office. You can find out more about them at ChampagneDivorce.com. So the AM 970 listener bailout begins Monday, ladies and germs. Uh, we're uh, joined today, as are we always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Stellan. Hello, how are you today? Hello, I'm very, very well today. You're busy over there. I am. I'm having so much fun. There's so many news stories. Plus, I got like 10 hours of sleep last night, so yeah. I'm in that like 
Too much sleep, kind of deliriousness, but See, I got amazing. too little sleep, and I'm delirious. Oh. That's, well, there you go. It's going to be a great And show. I watched a fantastic movie last night. Was it the one where George Bush tries to convince us that he's not a colossal failure no, as a human being and a president? I listened to a little bit of that on the radio, and then I was going to go and look it up on the YouTubes, and I just didn't care. <laughs> I just heard him like... <laughs> I heard him talking. All I kept hearing was 9-11, 9-11. I'm like, you know, oh, no, I'm was, just going to switch back and listen to Chumbawamba. I swear, he hadn't, it really wasn't even like 10 seconds in when he goes, my fellow Americans, 9-11! You know, and just, and that was it, man. That was the, and then he was just off and running. Here's the thing. You don't need to have watched it because, I mean, I watched it, but, I don't mean to hijack your whole thing here, but I, I watched a bit of it, but I was just so immediately... I'm not even annoyed, just sort of, you know what it was, Here's Bush's thing last night wasn't even angering, it was like, like having the smallest of pebbles in your shoe, you know, you don't really, do you ever walk along and you realize there's something in your sock, and it's not like a huge pokey, like a thorn or a thistle or whatever, like a large stone, that you're going to stop and take off your shoe and socks and get it out. But it's something that's irritating. And you're like, I really ought to stop and get whatever that is out of my shoe. It keeps poking the sole of my foot. Well, maybe in a second. And you keep it, and you keep walking. And, you know, it probably takes half an hour for you to get irritated enough to take off your shoe and sock and figure out whatever it is that's in there. That's what Bush's speech was last night. I mean, it was irritating and stupid, but not enough that I actually felt the need to get out my legal pad or my Blackberry and start making notes. But... Fortunate for you and uh, and for I, Sarah, Todd the Corpse made lots of notes, so I'll get those. Yes. I'm sorry. So go ahead. So last night, you didn't watch the Bush thing, though. I did not watch uh, the Bush thing, no, but I watched this fantastic movie called uh, P.S. I Love You, which sounds like a girly movie. It's not. Yes, it does. It really does, because I, I thought it was going to be like some Meg Ryan, you know, like you've got mail kind of crap, and it's not at all. It has uh, Gerard Butler and uh, Hilary Swank, and it's a story about this um, this guy, he's like an Irish dude, and they're married, and they've been married for like 10 years, and they're a really young couple, and then he dies of a brain tumor. Uh, it's kind of like a My Life thing, but mm-hmm. instead of you know making a videotape, what he did is he wrote a bunch of letters to her after before right before he died to be sent to her after um, he had passed away, right, right. and kind of like you know take her on a journey and like try to get her to experience more. If of If you life are reading stuff. this letter, it's because I am not here. No, but he's hilarious. It isn't like oh I'm gonna admit, you know I'm not gonna. It's not sappy because he's right. just he's kind of a like a little trickster dude. You know it's Gerard Butler, so he's right. super hot sure. and you know like really hot shirtless Irish dude. And it's Hillary Swank because she's really pretty. It has like a hair, you know, Harry Connick Jr. in it, and um, and like Kathy Bates, and at, at some. Point Hillary things. Swank is the is the uh, is she the woman? She's the love interest. Yeah, she, yeah, she plays the widow. Did she? Here's the thing. Can she pull it off? Because she can, she she's kind of odd looking. She can. Even Jay, um, I was watching with my friend Lisa and Jay last night, and even Jay was like, she's pretty hot. Have her teeth gotten any smaller? No, her teeth are still pretty big. All right, but I mean, but she works past it. I don't mean yeah. to sound hopelessly superficial, but it, she doesn't really seem like no, the first she, person Hollywood would go to. No, she works past it. Like she looks really chic in it. It's a, well, good for her. It's really neat, and like uh, it's it's one of those movies that's so good that like you're on the brink of tears the entire time because it's just so damn sad. But right. at the same time, it has some of the funniest scenes I have ever seen. I was like crying laughing. I haven't laughed that hard at a movie in a long time. Is it a foreign film? It sounds like it would almost have to be foreign. No, I think it was released in the States, but I think it was maybe a limited release. Mm-hmm. But it was... Uh, I, I just have to say, I, I can't talk about it enough. Love Actually is like that, too. So I'm glad mm-hmm. I like films like that. that are, cause I, have, I have no problem with romantic comedies as long as they're done well. Uh, or movies that are sort of, you know, as you said, they sort of, you know, like pull on your heartstrings. As long as they're just not uh, cloying and manipulative. No, I got, I got no all. issue with that. Like Lisa and I, the whole time we're excited. It's like you're just about ready to cry yeah. and something funny happens and it kind of like snaps you out of it. And then, oh, God, it's like really sad. Oh, and it has the hot guy from uh, Not There Will Be Blood. Who is the one who is stalking people and then throwing the coin? The movie came out. Oh, uh, yeah, No Country for Old Men. Yeah. Javier Bardem? Yes. He's in it as well. Is he hot in that? He... Because, you know, in No, in no Country for Old Men, he, he's like a mongoloid with a nail gun, basically. Dude, yeah, he's, there's this part where they go to Dublin, and he's there, and um, 
He's one of the most beautiful men I've ever seen. I will. I actually do have to say this, though. If you saw him, was it the Oscars where he was, because he won Best Supporting Actor, right, for No Country for Old Men, which, have you seen that? No. Okay, it's a great film. It really is. And it's not as violent as people would let you believe. What it is okay. is stressful. It's a tense film. But he's very, he's got like, there's no way to describe it. He's got like the mo cut, like the, the bowl, like the Three Stooges bowl cut, as though it, he's got like a, like a page boy, basically. But then again, he's carrying around this pneumatic like thing that caves on the side of your skull, and he's like, "So I'm going to flip a coin, and then you will either live or you will die." And he's got this voice that sounds like it's rumbling the fillings out of your teeth. Oh yeah, that's. Yeah. But then I saw him at the Academy Awards, and he did that thing that you know was designed to manipulate the hearts of women everywhere, where he talked to his mom. And here's the thing about. Look, I don't mean to sound crass, but we all know this is true. Here's the thing that actors and or musicians will always do, and this is just guys, by the way, male actors or male musicians. They know that you, that you can do one of two things. If your mom is still alive, you buy her a house, or you talk about... But even if you don't ever do it, you talk about how you you're going to buy her a house. Shows. You bring her to the award shows as your date. Or if she's dead, you do a whole thing where like you lift the statue a little bit heavenward. And you go, Mom, this one's for you. And then women everywhere will have sex with you. That's really the... Well, and also they would have sex with him because he's damn hot. Well, that, that's true. But he also... But if you've ever the Oscars... Uh, Javier Bardem did this great thing where he actually spoke to it was like his mother or his grandmother, I forget, but he spoke to her like in his in his native Spanish because she doesn't you know, she's not all with the English learning or whatever. And I, so I don't know if it's like if he's a first generation uh, you know, American citizen. I don't know what the, I don't even know anything about him. I, I don't know. But but she doesn't speak English, so he's doing that. And now I'd like to give the rest of this uh speech. Did he speak it in different language. He did in Spanish. And oh, so my wow. mother who is watching tonight at her home she does like not she, <laughs> she does not speak English, so I would like to give the rest of the speech directly to my mother. And then he's and it's all he, like Spanish, 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 Swarthy, Swarthy, Spanish, Spanish, Corinthian letter. And it's, and you can just hear the sound everywhere of women going, oh, that's so great. I th- I think I'll have anonymous sex with him in an elevator. Seriously, like, hey, ladies, if or gentlemen, whatever you prefer, if you think that he's attractive, watch that movie. Oh. Honestly. Yeah. So anyway, that was Duly uh, noted. a fantastical evening with good friends and a good movie. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I'll do these uh, notes about the George Bush thing, and then we can forget about him forever. Uh, so I didn't watch, uh, you know, like as closely as I should have. Like, I had it on, but you can tell my interest in something. Like, this is how I've realized. It's like Dexter. Here's the thing I've realized about Dexter. Don't get me wrong. I watch Dexter. I watch every episode. I watch it, you could say, religiously, I guess. But you know what? I've come to the realization that Dexter is just not a very good show. It's just bad. And I still watch it. I still watch it, and I enjoy it, and I've seen every episode of all three seasons, and I'm going to watch it when it comes back for season four. But here's the thing about Dexter. It's just crap. And I shouldn't say that because it's, CB- it's a CBS product, but it's just not very well done. I mean, it's just badly... It's, here's the only good thing about Dexter is the acting. And that's not even really uh, the whole cast. That's just Michael C. Hall... And that guy who plays Angel is really good. Whatever his mm-hmm. name is, the kind of heavy set guy that plays Angel. He's my favorite character, hands down. He's fantastic. And then the chick who plays, uh, you know, who plays Deb is great. But, but the show is just badly written and directed, and the plot twists are unbelievable. And it's just, it's just embarrassing sometimes. But I still watch it. So, but, but I no longer pause when I get up to like go to the bathroom or something. I'm gonna go get myself a sandwich. I'll turn up the volume a little bit. I don't pause Dexter anymore. I just let it run in the background. So it was with George Bush. Last night. So we've got this. Uh, Todd has made all the notes for us today. Rick, I'm no political wonk, but here are some random thoughts from George Bush's farewell speech. One, I actively try to avoid watching Bush talk, so I'm only used to hearing his sound bites. I cannot believe how haggard this man looks, especially in HD. I know being the president ages you, but criminy. Two, 
His manner of speaking and facial expressions really just seem to become a parody of himself at this point. I haven't really seen him talk on TV in a while, but the whole smug face, squinty eyes, furrowed brow thing is really out of control. Three, can't presidents get a decent haircut? Honestly, is there some sort of protocol for just how much unfortunate feathering needs to be going on? Four, uh, four? Yeah, whatever. Can we be over the American flag pin? They ruin the look of suits and they scream patrioter than thou. I don't they even scream re- to me like 99 cents at Rite Aid next to like a candy cane. <laughs> like during Christmas, don't they? I mean, you just see all of those stuck to it with like the breath mints and, um, you know, like. Like a pen with a plastic Santa on top? Seriously, that's it. And it's just like, and, you know, and half of the like little pieces of paper that the pins used to be attached to are like ripped off with like giant holes. Totally. Like, and next register. to the March of Dimes thing, you're supposed to put a quarter in the slot. It's like, that's, that's patriotism. Well, I'm with him in the thing. Look, I'm not like a fashion play, but I'm with him in the thing. They ruin a good suit. I mean, you know, because Bush last night was dressed really well, but then there's like the, the flag pin. Why don't they require them no to more. wear flag ties? There you go. That would work. Just have one staple flag tie for like people who are, you know, running for office. Or like or a flag office. pocket square. Exactly. That's what I'm Well done. So you ought to, you know, you ought to get a job doing that. Uh, let's see. Don't you wish the teleprompter guy pulled an I'm Ron Burgundy moment just once? Um, let's see. Did Bob Dole get a spray tan? WTF. Boy, Bob Dole. Bob Dole. It, Bob Dole and his wife. They now look like Madame Tussauds figures of themselves. It was very weird. Bob and Elizabeth Dole. And I know that he's all he's like pitching for Viagra now, so God love him. I mean, whatever. They look they look like they're full of vim and vigor, but Jesus. Um, let's see. Uh, I found it out he didn't end with the classic May God bless the United States of America. And he says, anyway, uh, Todd says, I guess we can all put George Bush behind us now. That's a collective sigh of relief. Now we can get back to talking about flapping scalps and eyeball eating. Thank God for that. There you go. All right, I'll tell you the jock watch, so we'll quickly do these calls, then we'll take a break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, for the love of God. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for getting the show off to a rollicking start. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. How can I help you, sir? People are asleep. Mm-hmm. I heard someone say, ever. "Are we not feeding the phone?" No, I heard hello. Hello. Are we feeding the phone? They're not getting screened. Hello. Hello. Hold on, Sarah. Are we feeding the phone? Do we know? Yeah. Hello. He, he's talking. Hello. Hi. Can you hear me, sir? You know. How are you guys there? All right. Hold on a second. I suspect something's going on when we're not feeding. This might be because of the pilots came last night. Oh, really? We might have been. Uh, we might have turned off the audio feed down the line because we talked to that guy in the. Uh, he's on the board on the phone. So, ah. sir, if you're on hold, you can't hear me anyway. Uh, oh, Rick, by the way, that, that shooter right. that's loose in your neighborhood, they caught him. Oh, dude, I didn't even... I'm, I'm, okay, we got a break. We got a break. Oh, I forgot that. to talk about that. I'm so glad you reminded me. So I got so caught up in what I did last night, I forgot what I did this morning, which was nothing, which was wait, because there were like 5,000 cop cars, like a block from my house. All right, we'll talk about that when we get back. And uh, if you're on hold, again, you can't... Never mind. We'll be back after this. Excellent. All right, so I apologize for uh, insulting that caller by implying that he... Wasn't paying attention. Apparently, we were not. Uh, apparently, the board was set up last night to run the Portland Pilots game, which is uh, it's a different configuration of switches and buttons and levers uh, than we need to run this program. So I guess we were speaking, and the caller could, in fact, just not hear us. So Rick Emerson regrets the error. Let's make up for it real quickly by talking to whoever this might be. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio show. How can I help you? I wanted to talk about baking for a second. Okay. Um, I sent you an email about a month ago about a bacon roll. Want to know if you'd ever tried it? Bacon, bacon roll. I apologize. I get any number of uh, bacon-related emails. I'm trying to remember. Bacon roll. Was it like a cinnamon roll? No, it's like a breakfast burrito, mm. but instead of using a tortilla, you get a package of bacon, and then you 
weave it into a square in like a over under type fashion. Mm-hmm. You know, cook it in the oven, then put uh, eggs and cheese on top of it. That sounds fantastic. Now, is it, would you say it's a lot of work? I mean, in other words, do you have to really weave it together so the bacon doesn't come apart during the cooking process? Um, no, because when it cooks, it kind of like shrivels into each other. Oh, I, okay. No, I understand. So, yeah, it actually uh, so it sort of uh, cooks together so it becomes a self-supporting structure, sort of like a like a like a like a like a bacon teepee. Exactly. Yes. And then you put the the eggs and cheese on it, and then you put it back in the oven for like 30 seconds so it can all kind of melt together. All right. Then you roll it up, so it's like a, a log, and you just... Oh, I see. So you're not... When you're baking it, it's not actually in roll shape. When you're baking it, it basically is like a mat. And then you actually roll it up around the other food. Then you do the final cooking on it. Right. Ah, okay. Now, that makes much more sense. No, no, I haven't... I, I don't think I saw that, but you know what? I'm going to have to go back and... Um, uh, I don't know. When did you say this? Did you send this a few weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah, so I did this whole... I had to, not to be all about that, me, but I had this whole thing where it, when I, I, I got a new computer a few weeks ago and I've been moving all of my email to that computer so that I can answer it to a laptop so I can kind of answer it wherever, wherever I am. And so I had, to, I had to duplicate all of my emails from one computer to the other, and I think some of them got lost in the transition. But I will go back and I will, uh, I will look for it. Bacon roll. Excellent. Thank you, sir. All right. Oh, have you beat any of the, the movies on Left 4 Dead on Expert? Uh, not on Expert because right now I'm just playing uh, – I think I'm just playing normal difficulty – uh, at the moment, because I spend a lot of time, uh, I spend a lot of time playing online, and if I play on expert, I'm just going to get hosed repeatedly, and then I'm going to be that, I'm going to be the weak link, you know, who is causing everybody else to get killed. All right, best show ever. All right, thank you, my friend. All right, Bye. there you go. Uh, playing expert really is your best. That's your best dollar value if you're just playing against the computer. But when I'm online, I don't want to be the, like, you don't want to be the guy who's got like a bum leg or something, and everybody's brains get eaten. That's it. No good. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill. CNN radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Hello, how are you today? Hey, I'm well. How are you? I am fantabulous is how I am. Hey, awesome. Sometimes <laughs> sometimes the alley-oop is really just an alley like that. It's not even a it's not even a, an oop. It's just a just a just a single small o sound. All right. Well, in any event. Um, how's life? How are things for you, Lisa? Oh, it is cold here in the nation's capital. It is cold. Oh, that's right. You all are with the Arctic blast and the yeah, with the Arctic blast, the snowpocalypse okay. and so forth. The what is it? Chicago? It was something like a forty below or something with the wind chill. Yeah, wind wind chill here is negative five. Which I mean, DC, you get in the twenties and people panic. Here's a question: How do they even calculate what the wind chill is? That seems like a made-up number. Yeah, I think it is a made-up number. I think I, I'm not sure. I'm a complete believer in that. Um, uh, our marketing director Susan Reynolds, who you know, uh, she is from Chicago, and she was—I I guess she lived there in 19 whatever when uh, there was some wind chill, was like 75 below, and they—they they were doing those radio announcements where they were literally saying. Like, don't leave the house or you will die. If if you walk outside, we will not find you until the spring thaw. So just oh, nice. stay inside, and it may be ass cold inside your house, but it's lethal if you even walk out the front door to get the newspaper. So just just don't go anywhere. I had to walk at one point. I had to walk, you know, four blocks to get to the Capitol. And honestly, it, an hour and a half later, I, I was like, why do my toes feel strange? And my yeah. toes were still kind of had that cold burn. Like, they were still burning mm-hmm. an hour and a half later. It is where you get that weird, that like, that bone chill that you just can't shake off yeah. for some reason. And then you just get the tiniest window into what it's going to be like when you're an old person. You know what I mean? You just got that whole, it's just like a tiny little preview of what, el- you know, being an elderly person is going to be like when you had to suddenly decide, oh, I've got to move to Boca Raton. I think that's right. And, you know, I have, I'm kind of embarrassed. One of my dear friends has canceled on our plans tonight because, uh, 
we're going to all go dancing. And I, and she's like, it's too cold. It's too cold to dance. It's too cold to dance. I'm going to go over to my cousins instead. So I email, Well, you have to go outside to go to your cousins. She said, yeah, but I can wear my sweatpants. Oh, that's true. I guess you can. I was going to ask what the difference I thought maybe you were just being slighted and she was using the cold as an yeah, excuse. That's exactly. That is a fair point, though. You can't yeah. really... Uh... I mean, I guess you could dance like in like head to toe, you know, like long johns or something, but that's not going to be very uh... right. Just a big giant snowsuit. Sir. Yes, exactly. Uh, all right. Well, what is there to say about inauguration craziness? Certainly all over the place, and it's coming down to the last minute. Diane Feinstein had a news conference today uh, saying she now expects you know one to two million. That's a downgrade from the five hundred thousand bajillion uh, that had been expected. But it's still going to be like. I don't know, like a million below zero, right? It's still going to be cold. And it's no, gonna... you know, it's, it is supposed to warm up. Really? Is it going to warm? Is, is, is Obama's mere presence going to cause butterscotch <laughs> rivers and gumdrop trees to appear everywhere? The you are to uh, President-elect Obama, uh-huh. the warmer you will be. Of course. Because of his, you know what it is? That's because of, his, uh, that's because of his comforting smile and kind eyes, Lisa. <laughs> Is that what it is from the from the uh, from the plate? That's from the infomercial for the plate. His his comforting smile and kind eyes will be a radiant reminder of his message of change. And then it shows a bunch of white people eating off like you know, just like eating you know, just like eating gruel of some kind off the plates. Right, you know? for family at home, they're Seriously. happier now because they have the plate. Well, you know, I mean, look, uh, he's a, he's a president. I will say this: uh, you don't have to respond to this if you don't want to. I did yesterday. I had a listener. Send me a link. There is now a fact, uh, and what we, uh, what we might, uh, I believe the euphemism of choice is marital aid, uh, that is in fact uh, covered with the image of Barack Obama. It is uh, festooned with his, no. uh, with his, uh, his, his visage. So you know, I mean, but you uh, okay? That went that that probably wins. But uh, honestly, everywhere in Washington, there, um, I was at a store that actually has a special Obama grocery bag. I mean, it, it is everything. An Obama grocery bag. Yes, it's, it's like a little plastic. They know he can't actually heal people and stuff, right? I mean, they are. I'm hoping that they know that. He ought to just get up. He, like how great would it be? It's going to come to a see, lot of people. In my world, see, I just, I, you know, it's like that Jedi mind thing where you could just, you don't need to see our identification. I wish that I had the power just to make people do whatever I wanted, just you know, the, 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 the sheer force of my own of my own uh, brain power, because I wouldn't necessarily use it for evil. I'd just use it for for zaniness. Like if I had the Jedi mind control over Obama, I wouldn't you know I wouldn't make him do anything horrible, but I would actually just like to see him get up there and then just you know do some sort of a flim flam where he divides loaves and fishes. I mean, I mean, it would be great, right? Where he just look over there, and then he pulls a mackerel out of his sleeve. Yeah, it'd be great. Right. You know, okay, I do have a question for you though, because I haven't decided if I'm going to do a story on this or not. Yes. But roughly, you know, the, now the um, the parade that's going to happen, and the costs of you know dealing with like the jumbotrons and all that stuff on the National Mall, that's taken by private. Um, that's taken care of by privately fundraised money, but everything that happens at the Capitol, the swearing in, and the luncheon that follows is taxpayer dollars. So what do you think is a reasonable sum to pay for that ceremony at the Capitol and then the following luncheon for well, everything? Wait, when you say, so when you say, the, 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 when you say it's paid for, what do you mean, like attendance? Are we talking like a vendor booth? What are we, oh, no, what are we talking they, about? No, that they use money from the federal budget to pay for it. Oh, oh, God, I don't even know. I wouldn't even know how to calculate such a number. Because I, I can't tell if this is a fair number or if this is sort of a, a, a you know, big boondog. Well, let's go, let's, let's go a gut test. What's the number? Uh, about 5.5 million, maybe 6 million. That's a lot. That really is a, that's a lot. That really is. That's... Yeah, and that's, 
that's not substantial. That's just for the, that's not the that's not the most of where the people will be. That's just that's at the Capitol. Hey, maybe you should do a story about how many uh, auto workers uh, could receive a year's salary for what they're spending on, uh, you know, for just a bunch of window dressing at the inauguration. You know, and I wouldn't have minded so much. Most of that is actually security. That's 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 a, the big a big bulk of the cost. But you know, I was trying to ask them. There's a, there's a big lunch they have afterwards with the new president and Congress and. You know, I asked at this news conference, how much does that luncheon cost? I'm just wondering how much of the 1.2 million mm-hmm. uh, that it, it part that it kind of, that it kind of gets goes to that luncheon. And uh, they, well, we uh, we uh, we haven't calculated that exactly. You know, and I'm sure that they know. And it's, it's such a big red flag to me whenever people say they. Oh, don't. I don't know. I don't have access to that information at this exactly. time. Right, right. How, how much is this seafood stew exactly <laughs> going to cost? <laughs> I don't know. We have no. The, here's although I, it does. It does seem to me that the saying, uh, I don't really know how much it cost, or I don't know what happened to that $350 million, <laughs> like it does seem like that's become an acceptable response in this society of ours. Yeah, it really kind of, you know, and I had to, I followed up and still, and he said, ask that person, that person didn't know, and it... I mean, seriously, imagine, I mean, for the love of God, I mean, imagine if any, I was going to say, imagine if a business ran this way, but businesses do run this way. Imagine if you, like, uh, I don't know if it was like some Agatha Christie thing, where you're all there at the mysterious castle in the countryside, and there's $350 million on the table, and then you go into the kitchen to get yourself, uh, you know, like some bugles, and then you come back and you go, hey, wait, that $350 million, it was just here, right out, and, it, you know, where did it go? And they go, I don't know, it's, uh, some guy took it. I, well, who? I, I don't know. Some dude said it was his. Right, it's going to good use. I mean, that's that, that's really what we're expected to, to swallow here. Exactly. Speak, hey. right. And that's why, you know, whenever any anything, that's why, you know, the inauguration, I feel like we need to be paying attention. And, and it's it, I think the fact that I was asking even, or that there were a couple of us that, was, that were asking this, uh, but it, Washington, like a million dollars is kind of like nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, and to me, I was thinking, wow, I mean, six million dollars for, you know, a few hours. I know that security is a big part of that, and that that is important, obviously, but... It just still seems like that's a lot of dough. Seriously, I mean, it's a lot of dough to me. It's better right now. I mean, I think people are very sensitive to that kind of a thing. We were talking to um, uh, Jesus. Who was it? It was um, somebody from TMZ, I think, that was telling us that like they're still doing the the gift bags at the Golden Globes or whatever, but they're not doing it publicly. In other words, if you're a star or presenter, they're still giving you a bag with like fifty grand worth of crap inside, but they're not talking about it on camera and they're not holding it up going, "Look what I got," because they know that Americans don't because want to they, see it, that right now. It always used to be their little cute thing to totally. do, talk about that. Right? Uh, because of e- you know, and they're not doing that because I keep getting emails like this one. This email says, "Rick, so I opened last week's paycheck and yay, a surprise raise. This week's surprise, we all get cut down to four days a week." <laughs> Live in the dream, he says. So, you know. Oh my God! Wait, exactly. That's why it just it just uh, bugs me when people. Yeah. Uh, hey, what is your read on uh, on uh, what's his name? Uh, George W. Bush and his uh, his his final speech last night. Right? How about it? Um, you know, I think I was pretty amazed at some of the statements that he made, and I think he he was going for the kind of warm. I'm, you know, I know, I know we haven't always gotten along, son, but I do love you, uh-huh. and deep down you love me. You know, he was going for that kind of tone, and he was, I really liked that he was grateful and gracious and, you know, all of that. That I thought was very classy. But, you know, he made some statements about how, you know, he has taken substantial steps to save the economy. You know, and I kind of said, well, we're not, we don't know how that one's going to end right, yet. Right. And then also he talked about Iraq and Afghanistan, and obviously, um, there are many who argue that 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 is a very large achievement in the long run, and in the long run there will be democracies there, and that that will be a key achievement of President Bush. But you know the way he said it was, um, you can debate the the decisions, the way we made the decisions going into it, but you can't debate the results. 
And, I, you know, I, I was amazed that he said that because I feel like very clearly you can debate the results, especially in Afghanistan and in Iraq, where we com- we have no idea uh, what the future is going to be for either of those countries. Both- he, made, he made Iraq sound like it was some exciting new mall that had just opened. You know what I mean? Like they'd gone from, the, the, you know, they could have gone from, you know, what it was under Saddam Hussein, uh, you know, to being like a galleria, uh, you know, where you're going to be able to go and buy reasonably priced consumer merchandise and get a smoothie. And I wonder, I, I just, I have the impression that that's what he thinks. <laughs> he kind of, he vaguely has an idea that uh, Jamba Juice is opening up, and maybe it is in, in Iraq. Well, this is, you know, when I was telling my wife this lesson, because my wife is on the, you know, my, my wife is just, you know, she's a, she's a godless hippie. And she, my wife and her friends, uh, you know, most of whom smell, uh, are on this whole Bush is evil, Bush is Hitler, Bush is whatever, but, you know, and then that's kind of their deal, and there's a lot of that in Portland. And, you know, and here's the thing is, like, I, I, I don't feel that way, and I told her this last night, and I, she started to fight with me about it, and I was just like, you know, we, let's, let's, let's not let George W. Bush divide us on his last, on his last speech. Let, let's just move on. But my thing was, I said, you know, I, and I mean this honestly, people get, people just get apoplectic when you say things like this, but what I said was, I don't get the feeling that George Bush is a bad guy. I really don't. In other words, like if he wasn't the president and had never been the president, if he was just like some guy who came in to fill the vending machine, or if, if oh, you know what George Bush would be? Ah, if George W. Bush had not been born to that family into the dynasty, you know what George W. Bush would be? What? He'd be the guy that Costco sends down once a month to sit there in the kitchen with free muffins, hoping that you'll come in and get a membership. <laughs> not terribly exciting, but not a bad guy. Right, right. You know, but my but my thing about Bush is like... He, joke with you. He seems like, if you knew him in person, he's probably a pretty good guy, and I don't think he's actively evil in any way. I just think he's mind-bogglingly dense. I mean, I really... That's just my assessment. But I, I think he's just... That head of his is just an echo chamber. I mean, there's just nothing there. It's like... There's not even... People say, well, I can see the wheels turning. There's no wheel. There's one wheel connected to nothing else that just sort of goes... Around it, there's well, just nothing. He's, he's, he, he, I think he sees the world in very black and white terms, yeah. and I think, and sometimes that help, that can really help a president, you know, be decisive. Uh, but I, I think in his case, in Iraq, clearly, you know, that that helped. I think other people below him feel okay with ignoring uh, the um, fact. Just as, as a final thought here before we head into the weekend, because uh, what time does the inauguration happen? It's, it's, I keep saying Monday, but it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. It starts 8.30, right. your time, the ceremony, and then uh, the actual swearing-in yeah. is supposed to happen right around 9 a.m. Here's my final thing. I would so do this if I lived in Washington, D.C. or anywhere. You should just do this for I mean, I know you can't officially. But they, they should totally plant... Like like uh, like uh, like the tent revivalists do, like those those sort of Jonas Nightingale uh, like preacher types that go through Kansas. They ought to plant a bunch of people in the crowd uh, who will then claim that Barack healed them with his presence. <laughs> Seriously, like a guy in a wheelchair who then stands up and like throws his crutches away or whatever. Go, I can walk. <laughs> How great would that be? I almost want to fly to D.C. and do that myself. For the love of God, please, someone do that. Plant somebody in the audience who will claim that Barack healed them. Oh, that'd be so great! I so want that to happen. That would be fantastic, especially if we need, especially a small child as well. Seriously, like a mommy, mommy, I can see. Exactly. All right, that's what I'm hoping for. That's the only reason I'm going to watch that. All, All right, right, I'm keeping hope alive. All right, have a good weekend, Lisa. Okay, you too. Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I wish it was happening. If I'm telling you right now, if I lived within even driving distance, if I thought I could get in, I would absolutely do that. I'd find not right in front of a news camera. That's too obvious. But like within earshot. You know, maybe a hundred yards away. Well, and you have to have people planted near the cameras. People be like, "Hey, hey, what's going on with that guy over there?" And I'm just dancing around, holding my crutches in the air, you know, or whatever. You know, I touched the hem of his garment, and I was healed.
That's okay. Well, I gotta try to make that happen. Maybe I can find somebody in DC who will do it for like for like twenty bucks or something. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the South, CNN radio correspondent and stylish man about town, Ed McCarthy. Hello, sir. Rick from the frigid South. How are you today? Now wait. Now is it because I know in Chicago they're getting just the uh, just the, the big boot of winter coming down. What is it? What is, what's the weather like where you are? Yeah, we got the uh, the Canadian grasp down here. We're getting uh, we had eleven degrees this morning. And that's, Which is very cold for us. And you that's know? without any wind chill or anything, right? Right, yeah, exactly, is, exactly. Uh, there, no wind, and it was 11 degrees, so it was brutal. You know, that's, I think you get spoiled when it's uh, a lot warmer than other parts of the country most of the time, but not all of the time. Well, right? that's like in California. I remember going to Disneyland one time. It was when I was much younger. And going to Disneyland, and it was like, I don't know, like a, like a light sprinkling of rain. And it, the place was just empty. I mean, for Disneyland, it was just deserted. Uh, and so it's, you know, you, you really do get the 11 degrees is sort of like, that's where you walk outside and it's like somebody has just slapped you in the face. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's no good. Yeah. 11 degrees in Chicago is different with the wind, but this is still cold here, believe um, me. Well, and I said, and again, because people there aren't necessarily, uh, you know, aren't necessarily used to it. That's where it drops below like, you know, like 40 degrees, but it's like, oh, it's so cold. Um, so... Uh, it's funny, we were actually, I, I didn't even do this intentionally, we were just talking to Lisa Desjardins, and I was comparing George W. Bush. I was saying that he seems like kind of a good guy, not terribly interesting, or in my opinion, not necessarily the brightest uh, you know, bulb, bulb in the in the bank, but I mean, whatever. But I said he reminded me a lot of that guy from Costco who will come and he'll uh, sit in the kitchen at your workplace with a big thing of muffins to lure you in, and then while you're there, he's trying to get you to like sign up for a Costco membership. <laughs> And, and so they all do that pretty much, don't they? Exactly. And so, and then it's tied to that. You know, Costco is sort of an object of fascination to us anyway, because you can, you know, any place where you can buy like fifty thousand cocktail straws or whatever. But they're based out your way. They are. And I told my wife, I said, Hey, do we have a Costco membership? Because I didn't actually know. And she said, Yeah. And I said, No, because you know, what with these trying economic times, we really ought to be shopping at Costco more. But I think it is. This probably is. I mean, this probably is the kind of economy in which everybody kind of looks at you and they go. Maybe we ought to start buying in bulk, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, that's uh, part of the story. I didn't get any comment from Costco on the story, but I did talk with Sam's and, and BJ's Wholesale Club. And, uh, you know, they were saying that they know this goes on. But when you think about it, they've got uh, about 100 uh, million memberships, uh, cardholders between them. And, you know, the clubs really make their money on those membership fees. The price markups on their goods will cover the operating expenses and overhead and on and on. So you wonder, the, the curiosity of the whole thing is, are they really getting shafted here because they're not getting the memberships because the extended families are going in and they're splitting right. all the stuff up or they're pulling up in the parking lot and unpackaging the stuff and throwing it in their trunks, uh, their cars. So, uh, you know, I asked this question, and the bottom line is it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's really interesting from the standpoint that they're making the money anyway on the merchandise. And you're going to get small businesses that are going to do, do the same thing. They're going to run in there. They'll have a one membership card, and they'll go in there, and they'll be buying all kinds of stuff. So they actually make out. Even though they make a lot of money on the membership, they're still making the cash when it comes to the transaction. Well, it's interesting because, the uh, again, Costco, which is the big one out here, the it used to be, and I don't know, maybe it still is in some places. But when I was growing up, uh, I grew up in this kind of this kind of t small town, like twenty thousand people or whatever. And, and the but when Costco first came, I mean, it was like if you had the Costco card. I mean, it was it was a status symbol. It really was. That sounds kind of silly now, but it was it was. I mean, it was you you had prestige if you had that. And then, as you said, there was the whole thing of like, 
look, um, can I use your Costco card this weekend? I need to go buy 700 pounds of rice. And, yeah, well, you, uh, can't, you can't use it because it's got the picture on it. They exact, don't check it. You know what I mean? That's the thing. So that was the thing, and then it had the weird little black and white laser picture on it then. So you would have to say, well, no, but look um, – if you want to, uh, if you want to pay for gas, I'll take you, and uh, you just buy whatever you want on my card, and we'll. Just, it's like using someone else's <laughs> yeah, a student right. <laughs> student discount at the computer store. And then you could buy the gas there at Costco. Totally. So, it, really, I think the time is is near when Costco, for example, is going to just become they're going to secede and become their own county, because they've really got everything. They probably have nuclear power plants or something. Well, out there. they're huge all over, and uh, you know, I must say that we are familiar with them uh, as well. And, you know, out in California, we were out there, and I said, boy, this is crazy. You know, they all have all different gimmicks at all of their different stores, and they're selling surfboards out there. You know, and I'm thinking, wow. It's the weirdest thing, too, when you walk in, and there literally is like, I mean, just the most surreal thing where it'll be like, uh, there'll be a woman selling, you know, and she's always the sample woman. She'll be giving you samples of hot dogs, which you, you can then buy in packages of 6,000. But then right next to them, <laughs> That's right. right next to them, there's like a pallet of Bibles for sale. You know what I mean? And it's just the strangest conglomeration of merchandise. But it is quite, it is in those stores, those big warehouse stores really are, in a sense, the ultimate American shopping they experience. Are. You know and what they, I mean? You know, we have just, you know, so we're, our family's just down to two now, uh, plus the animals. And uh, my big mistake was when I first joined uh, the membership club, I uh, went out and bought enough sandwich bags to last six years. And they're still there. Yeah, yeah they're still they, there. They How many of those are left? 50,000. Okay. <laughs> All right. And, well, it is uh, the weekend for us, so have a, uh, have a good uh, next few days, and we will talk to you sometime in the immediate future, my All friend. right, Rick. Thank All you. Right, stay warm, sir. You betcha. Bye-bye now. All right. Thank you. There's Ed McCarthy, ladies. That guy just has the greatest laugh. He really does. I don't know where my isolated Ed McCarthy laugh ever went to. Oh, somewhere. did I tell you what I found? No. Since you torch, I had to sit there again today, by the way, because I'm in here for the recap. Listen to that goddamn eyeball story. That played in the recap again uh, today, didn't it? You're it played right. in the recap again. I, I turned it down, that. but still, like, there's a little bit of it that comes out of speaker, so I had to leave the room. It's so the I third time it. you had to hear it. The third time. So I was just looking through the stories, and I found a story so awful mm-hmm. that I, I think I could get you back with it. See, but here's why that's not true. But... Yes. I think that it's pretty gross. I don't know. I showed it to court. Is it safe I, for air? I mean, it's, it's not the... It's safe for air, but it is disturbing. Not about someone doing something with their penis. I showed it to... No, no penis okay. is involved. Well, right. there was at one point. Great. But um, I showed it to court and... From court and fat boy? He has no standards. No, I know. And I, I asked him if it was as hideous as I thought, and he read it and recoiled. Really? Yeah. Really? Court did. Court did. And I know you guys are kind of similar, too, so I kind of use... This is the same court, kind of tall, Germanic-looking, kind of uh, often screaming about the... And and I showed it to a couple girls, and they're just like, oh, that's hideous. And then um, I'm just like, I need to get a guy's opinion about it. So I showed it to him. Mm. So you feel this story... Now, is it a contender for the worst story in the history of the world? I, I don't know if it's... Or is it me specific? In other words, is it a story that... Not not that we would do this, but I mean, it's a story that, for example, we would put up against uh, the spider story in competition, or is it a story that you think that I, in particular, will find awful? I think maybe you in particular, but I think a lot of people will find it awful. Crystal, I showed you Crystal Cash, and she said that it made her almost feel like she wanted to vomit. Did you pick this story just as, uh, like, retribution for me running the eyeball well, thing again I've been trying to find today? something to torture you with, and then as I'm sitting in here, I'm listening to that goddamn eyeball story again. <laughs> It just grosses me Which out. Which doesn't every bother time. me. That's the thing is, like, it doesn't phase me. It's I don't awful. know. So this one doesn't really phase me, but I think that it might mm. phase you. All right. Well, okay. So I'm. So, so I get to hear that at some point during the. Uh, 
Good on the program. All right. Worst story ever. All right. I have the music queued up and everything. Bold like. statement. All right. And at some point, i got to do this uh, jock watch, too. I, uh, maybe I should just do this now. I think you should. Let me just do this. Okay. Uh, we're going to do this, and then we'll take a break. We'll come back. Lisa Hughes is here. She's going to be at the uh, new adorable. desk. adorable. See, you can say that. I can't say no, that. She's sound creepy. By no, I mean, we should, yeah. If she does seem like a charming young lady. Seriously, if she's willing to have her picture put up on the, um, like on your website or something, guys will be swooning. All right, so that, so she will join us uh, for the news hour here in a few. Uh, later on, Steve Cass and I will talk about the miracle on the Hudson. Uh, let's see. Sarah has the worst story ever. Sarah has the worst story ever. Snuff watch, bush watch. Uh, let's see, uh, Scott Daly. All right, let me just, here's your ad hoc. Uh, this is your jock watch uh, for Friday on the Rick Emerson radio program. Ladies and gentlemen, here is your uh, jock watch. This comes to us from uh, New York City. Nick Center Eddie Curry was slapped with a shocking sexual harassment suit yesterday by his former driver, who claims the six foot eleven hoopster tried to solicit, yes, gay sex from him. Stunning court papers charge that Curry, a married father of what they just refer to here as. Several kids. Mm, several. Maybe they're still <laughs> counting. Point it down. We get, we're not sure of the exact number. It's many. A lot of. A, a mess of kids. Uh, stunning court papers charge that Curry, a married father of several kids, repeatedly approached chauffeur, uh, chauffeur, chauffeur, chauffeur. That's a word that I can't pronounce today. Chauffeur? Chauffeur. Yeah. All right. Chauffeur, like uh, the man with two brains. Repeatedly approached uh, chauffeur David Kushinsky, Kush, uh, quote, in the nude. Quote, saying, by the way, I'm just reading this now from the New York Post, which is the uh, the greatest newspaper in the world. Curry, a married father of several kids, repeatedly um, uh, reproached chauffeur David Kuschinski in the nude, saying, quote, look at me, Dave, look. And, quote, come and touch it, Dave, end quote. <laughs> Dave? Don't the fact that he uses the fact that he uses the guy's name is what makes over it especially hilarious. I think so. <laughs> Repeatedly approached chauffeur David Kuschinski, quote, in the nude, end quote, saying, quote, look at me, Dave, look, and come and touch it, Dave. Curry 26 also, this is the worst part. Curry 26 also made Kuschinski perform, quote, humiliating tasks outside the scope of his employment, such as, wait for it. Cleaning up and removing what we will refer to on this program as soiled towels so that his wife... He's sweaty. Yes. So that he sweats all over. Uh, cleaning up and removing soiled towels so that his wife would not see them. And you all know what I'm talking about. Kushinsky... I'm sorry, isn't that something that you can't really see? I mean... Uh, well, it's more of a tactile, um, okay. sort of a why is this towel so scratchy uh, kind of a thing. Like if you're trying to make, like, paper mache or something. Ex- out of towels. Exactly. What? What? Okay. Kuszynski, 36, who is straight and Jewish, also alleges racism, saying that Curry hurled slurs at him, including 
This guy's a master of subtlety. Slurs including effing Jew, cracker, white slave, white devil, and, quote, grandmaster of the KKK, which does seem like a bit of an overstatement. Curry, a former Chicago Bull, said last night that he was, quote, shocked at the allegation. Shocked. It's false, and everyone who knows me knows I'm not a racist. He doesn't say anything about, uh, you know, the, hey, come look at me and touch it, Dave. He does specifically <laughs> note, though, that he's not a racist. So, so apparently he might be willing to uh, he might be willing to engage in Congress with men of all ethnicities and backgrounds. Fingers there crossed. There you go. There's your jock watch. For... The best part is they accompany this thing about the gay sex offer with a photo where his mouth is just <laughs> wide open. He looks like a blow up, though. Exactly. There you go. Back after this, the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Chauffeur is one of those words that I've used a billion times. But then, you, you really don't know how to pronounce it. No, no, no. I, I do know how to pronounce it, obviously. I'm, I'm not Chauffeur. a fool. I'm just saying it was one of those words that you said that you are delirious because you've had too much sleep. And I'm a little delirious because I had too little now sleep. Now I kind of counterbalanced it with the like the perfect amount of coffee. So See, and that's my bit. thing is I think I had... Uh, Did you overcompensate? I think I had too much. I always, I'm always overcompensating, sir. Um, <laughs> this time, though, it's for sleep. Bada bing! <laughs> um, but I... Uh, I think I had too much caffeine this morning, or or not enough. See, but that's the thing. The problem with uh, getting the wrong amount of caffeine is there's really no way to find out. It's like a fifty-fifty chance that you're, you know, that you're going to solve it if you if you have more. In other words, so if you've already had too much caffeine and you have still more, then it's just everything just spirals. Then it becomes just concentric circles of bad. If you haven't had enough caffeine, then it's solved. Uh, but it's like it's like a, you know. But again, it's you know like a one in two chance that you're going to be wrong somehow. So I don't know. So I'm, I'm having, like, occasional brain locks today. So chauffeur is one of those words that I've used a billion times. But I was having that weird third-person perspective thing on myself this morning. And I was looking at just looking at the word on the page, and I went, that's an odd-looking word. Chauffeur. Chauffeur. And I, just, and I couldn't quite get it to come together. And then you start thinking to yourself, am I really having difficulty pronouncing this word that I learned in, in like, second grade? What the hell is wrong with me? It's like this. Did you ever do this? I did this last night, but I forget exactly what the word was. It was, you know what the word was? It was, spell this without thinking about it. Spell the word thorough. T-H-O-R-O-U-G-H. Wait, what? Do it one more time. Don't think about it. Okay, T-H-O-R-O-U-G-H. See, that's correct. But last night, I took about five passes of that word. And that, because I will, I refuse to go to the spell check unless it's like a last resort. I will try every – you should have seen me about a month ago trying to spell Renaissance, which, by the way, I can now spell. It's R-E-N-A-I-S-S-A-N-C-E. But you know what? I made myself memorize it because I took about 100 different cracks at that word. Every time you get that squiggly red line underneath, no, you continue to be stupid. You can't. Would you like Microsoft? No. And it's a point of pride with me that I will just – I'll try it over. And just every single combination, like vowels and umlauts and just moving everything around. And I finally got it right. I must have tried – I can't. I don't even know how many variations on thorough Why I tried you... last night. Okay. I was. I, don't know, I was using the word somewhere like a, I don't know an email or a. But no, I was just going to ask. Why were we using the word Renaissance? I don't know. Oh, I think I was talking about how we're in the midst of a zombie Renaissance and a bacon Renaissance right okay. now. Okay. Uh, which is true, by the way, in both counts. So, but anyway, good, but, but thorough last night. It was that thing where you sit there and you look and you go, that doesn't look right. Sometimes. If you're not using spell check, in other words, if you're not using some sort of an electronic uh, program to tell you if it's spelled correctly or not, 
Sometimes, do you ever do this where you're writing it down on a piece of paper, and you, for the life of you, you cannot figure out whether you've spelled it correctly or not. And you think that it's probably right, but at the same time you're looking going, but it doesn't look right. I don't know. It's just like double letters do that to me all the time. The one that always screws me, and then I'll stop, because otherwise we're going to sit and talk about what words can't you spell, which I'm sure is gripping radio for, like, you know, everybody. The word I can never, ever, ever get the double letter thing on is embarrassed. I can never me remember. Me too, because I, it's, is it two R's, two S's? I don't know. Lisa Hughes, embarrassed. Does that have two R's or, or a one? Uh, I think it's two R's. See, you are correct. And so it is two R's, two S's. Cause I know that there's ass in it. Well, that's what I always remember. Cause I'm just like, I know that there's always two S's, but I always get confused if there's one or two R's. So you need a mnemonic device uh, to remember that there's two R's. Yes. So what is? Oh, let's do that right now, and then we'll start the news. Uh, what is a mnemonic device we could use? For, for you to remember that there are, no 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 for two no we've moved on from Renaissance <laughs> we've moved to, we've moved to uh, putting the ass in embarrassment what what is a mnemonic device you could use to remember that there are two R's um wait that ass is so big and I'm trying to remember that like I'm, I'm trying no. to come up with a thing where there's a double R no it's wait no 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 here's no 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 here's how you because here's the thing about mnemonic devices is that they've all got to be kind of dumb otherwise you won't remember them they've all got to be strange like that thing for remembering all the hills of rome which is queen victoria eats cold apple pie uh here's at your mnemonic device sarah and you will never again wonder whether there are two r's or one here's how you will remember because you always remember the double s because there's ass and embarrassed so you'll think of a person with a huge ass uh-huh. which is like having a double rear r R, double R, double rear. Okay. That ass is so big, it's like a double rear. R, two. There you go. Twelve. I'm just trying to help out. You know, we have to remain vigilant against the uh, onslaught of... Thank you. Thank you for curing me, Rick. Ling- linguistic impurity. Well, I'm, I'm no Barack Obama. Uh, all right. Hello, Lisa Hughes. How are you today? I'm wonderful. All right. Well, this is the sort of thing we do all day, so this is your chance to leave if you don't like us. <laughs> okay. No, I'm staying. All, all right. <laughs> you say that now, sister. We've had other people that are like, no, 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 I'll stay and no, see really like silently. <laughs> yeah. No, there's any number of, uh, well, not any number of people. There's really just one person uh, who uh, I think was trying to peddle the fiction that she liked us, and it became very clear that that was just a lie, that oh, we, okay. were, uh, we were really not ever going to get Christmas cards or even, like, a phone number uh, from her when she left. <laughs> so... I'm uh, from now on. We're always going to give people the option of quitting. It's like how at Zappos, if you work at Zappos, they do this great thing where after like I think once you've been at Zappos.com for three months, they come to you and they offer you like five grand to quit. They go like, look, if you quit right now, we'll give you five thousand dollars, and you get unemployment. Um, and the deal is, they do that because they figure if you take it, you weren't going to be a good long-term employee anyway. But if you pass on it, you're probably exactly the kind of person who's going to have a good long career there, which is great. So now we're going to start giving everybody the chance to leave at 12:15. Lisa, how do you feel about this program? Uh, so far, so good. Excellent. We've been Not bonding because she was uh, she used to be a fangirl, so I was talking to her about the. Um the infamous fan calendar that Dude. we had. So there was this, yeah, there was, uh, so we, we used to uh, work for Entercom, which was a glorious time for everyone. And we were across the hall from uh, what was then 910 The Fan. And anyway, blah, blah, blah. And the well, fan... we didn't move across the hall until they became 1080. Is that true? Yeah, because we were still, remember when we moved into the new building, we became 910. Here's the thing. I remember so little about working in Entercom because yeah. it was just a big pile of suck. I mean, it was just, there were some nice people there, and we still have some friends and colleagues and whatever at Entercom, but... Boy, goddamn! I just hated every every single day I was working at that place. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, the, 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 not the people, not the people, but I mean, just it was just a bad vibe in that building. You know what I mean? It was just a it was just a bad, strange. Like all vibe the other jobs, everybody were really cool. Yeah, a lot of the salespeople. 
I think it's the higher up. I think it's just that every every day we worked there, we could just feel that we were circling the drain, and some guy his hand was reaching for the handle. You know what I mean? It's just a matter of time. I got the feeling that we here's what we were at Intercom. I get the feeling that at Intercom, we were like that family whose picture is in the frame when you buy it at the store. You know. And, like, they're just there for a couple of days until you get get around to opening the frame and sticking in a photo of, like, your prom or whatever. We were just a placeholder family. And eventually, and, and it wasn't too long before they went, and you're fired. We're going to put this in there, like a year? I don't know. It, it, I can't actually, I can't really remember. On either. the one hand, it seemed just to be an eternity, just a long, excruciating, tedious eternity. On the other hand, it seemed like we were only there like a day and a half before Alan Davis was going, so that was your last show. You'll need to leave now. Give me your key card. Anywho. Uh, we Talk worked... about us more about our n- new friend. And we yes, yeah, so we worked right near the fan, and they they had this fan girl calendar they put out where it was a, an attractive young lady for every month <laughs> of the year. And I don't know if you were if you were one of the women that that year or not, but um, but we and I think it was Sarah who actually noticed at one point that, and I don't remember who it was, but one of the months on the fan calendar, the girl had. And you didn't really notice it the first time, but then, like, you looked at the calendar a second or the time, you went, wait a minute. The girl had, obviously, um, it was a uh, maxi pad a maxi pad uh-huh. that you could see, uh, you know. It was you could see the silhouette there. of it. You could see, like, yeah, a little on the a, side. Yeah. So that's awkward. Uh, so, you know, really, that's the sort of thing that, that's why you want to be double-checking photographs before you decide. Well, to that's why you don't wear pads. It's 2009, sister. Come on. See, and I'm a man. I don't know how any of that, uh, I don't know how that works. So maybe you just, maybe it's just. It should be outlawed. Maybe there's just a... Uh, <laughs> That's the first thing Lisa said. She's like, really? really? I, I, so I guess we've moved beyond that, but certainly it seems like whoever they were paying to do that calendar should have taken like a second or third look at that. But or at least done some kind airbrushing. That's what I'm saying. So, <laughs> in any event, so you were, but, so you were, uh, you were a fangirl. Yes, I was for about three years. So here's it. So I don't... We didn't really... You know, I was kind of busy doing my own thing and then busy being fired. So, uh, so what did that entail? What, what do you do as a fangirl? Uh, you know, you do calendars, you go out and you do promotions, you know, for a couple hours at a bar, mm-hmm. you ask guys questions about sports, um, you look cute. Do you try to keep, it, I mean, do you try to pretend that, like, uh, some drunken listener has not just grabbed part of you that you don't want grabbed? Absolutely. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I really like the fan. Look over there. And then it's just a hand on your ass or something. Exactly. So, yeah. The best part about being a fangirl, though, was I got great pictures. I got some great photos out of it. So cool. Excellent. Yeah. And you presumably knew how to dress and what to wear and what not to be wearing uh, when you were going to have your photo taken. Absolutely. And then you worked with our good friend Richard Nunn, did you not? Yes, I did. On Portland's WB, went back when it was the WB. Back when it was the WB. B. And were you there when they had to answer the phone, WWWB? Uh, no. Okay, no. because there was this period of time when that when the WB network was around, and I guess maybe it was just in the early days, there was this embarrassing uh, memo that went, I mean, it was like they had to do it, this memo that went out from the company, that if you were ever answering the phone, it didn't matter, if you were working the front desk, if you were filling in, if you just happened to walk by and the phone is ringing, when you answer the phone at a WB affiliate, you had to say, hello, WWWB. And which was awful. And of course, then what happened is every jackass DJ on the planet heard about this and then just decided to spend all day calling the front desk over. Don and Mike did that for like 45 minutes one night. Where it was like over and over, they would call this poor woman at the WB and then she would say WWW and they would snicker and hang up. Um, And of course, but you had to do it because you never knew who was calling. So so you were there back when it was the WB and you did, uh, you were doing the weather and. I was the weekend weather girl. Weekend so Friday, weather girl. Friday, Sundays, and you know the best part about being a fangirl though is we got to go out on location. 
and um, you know promote product for mm-hmm. other people. But and I got I got gifts which were great. I got free tickets. I got I mean I'm which, same thing that you know I'm sure you guys get. And so you yeah, were freebies are nice. Freebies are wonderful. <laughs> well, and here's the thing, and it's amazing. I mean, I it's, I'm not trying to say that we get like for so I'm not trying to say the TV weather let's say is unimportant. Clearly, I guess right. it's, it's, you know, it's people who watch that, but. I mean, it's, you know, it's not like your Wolf Blitzer or something, but yet it doesn't matter. You know, people are like, I saw you on television. Have some free stuff. Right, exactly. So were you, when you were doing, now was this the thing, were you there when it was the green screen was like just a piece of plywood that they had spray painted green? Pretty much, yeah. That's yeah, fantastic. Absolutely. What was it like to work with Richard Nunn? It was great. Richard was a blast. I loved him so much. <laughs> he was a, it was definitely a good drinking buddy. Yes. Cause he and would, he said uh, to say hi, too. Really? Yes. Excellent. Yeah. And we'll tell keeping, him. So you keep in t- contact with I him? I keep in touch with him. Yeah. I think Richard probably keeps in touch with her. Uh, I mean, even if <laughs> you tried to avoid him. When is he going to come back to visit us? Never. Never? I don't know. He's in Jacksonville. That's where he, he's in Florida, and that's his hometown, so... I don't I mean, think he's ever come back. No, he's, uh, Richard Nunn is one of our favorite people even now. Right. And uh, the, the, he is one of those, I, I think I... He's just I'm, genuinely hilarious. He's just a truly <laughs> funny, if occasionally creepy guy. But yeah. the creepiness, of course, <laughs> is part of his... The, um, did you... What? Did, um, did that story... Did you ever tell that story about Richard Nunn? And you know the one I'm talking about. I don't know the one you're talking about. Yes, you do. It was the one about you and Kristen from accounting at your place. Have I blacked it out? Maybe. Well, if you don't remember, I'm not going to bring it up on the air. There was a Richard Nunn story. Everybody has a Richard Nunn. And for those who don't know, by I the way. I haven't thought about that in let's, years. If you are a recent listener to the program, or let's say maybe you just moved to Portland recently. Because Richard, oh, how wow. long has he been gone? I mean, he's been gone like for a few years. years. maybe? Something like that. Yeah. In 03 is when he left. So okay. if you don't know who we're talking about, Richard Nunn uh, worked at the WB, and, and uh, you know he was one of those guys around town. He was just one of those guys that everybody seemed to know. And he'd been, he, it just seemed like he had been around in Portland media forever. Mm-hmm. And if you ever saw Richard Nunn on TV or you ever talked to him, you didn't forget it because he was instantly funny, instantly hilarious, very charismatic. You felt like you'd known him forever. And he would inevitably uh, ask if he could have sex with your wife. And so, I mean, you know, which, you know, whatever. I mean, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Um, so, uh, and he was just, um, here's the thing about Richard Nunn. And I'm talking about like he's dead. It's like we're at his wake or something. But the thing about Richard Nunn is that. And only certain kinds of guys can do this. That Richard Nunn was and presumably still is just unbelievably, unbelievably sort of forward and creepy, but in the most charming way. Like it was never offensive. Mm-hmm. You just never felt like you never felt. And I'm not a woman, obviously, but you never felt like, in my opinion, ever like like uh, threatened or weird or off. But like it was sort of endearing the way that he was just so unbelievably like horned up all the time about everything. Right. And but at the same time just a teddy bear. Totally. Very yeah. sweet. Like you got the feeling if you called him you're like, I'm broken down by the side of the road, uh, you know, in, in Estacada at three in the morning. I need your help. Like he'd probably be there. Right. He'd come in and help you. And while you're there and on the way home he'd probably be like, So what do I I mean, I should get like at least like a crack at your sister for this, right? Probably. But I mean but still, I mean, you know, but you couldn't you well, just you're couldn't the point for a stick. <laughs> right. <laughs> The offer was always there for me, but I never took it. So you know. Um, so there is a uh, so there is so that was Richard Nunn, and he uh, I did the guest weather uh, with him one night uh, when it was the WB, right. and oh, and he, at our listener party at the Tonic, right? Um, or he was, was at a different time. No, no, no. That's when uh, that's when they, the the WB came out and they did their live stand up at, at my thirtieth birthday party at the Tonic. That's right. Oh, that was years ago. That was years ago. That was with Daria, probably right. Uh no, I think it was just Richard and I think uh, 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 Aram. Uh, uh, and that was when Nate was still Patterson? WB too. Yeah, oh, was yeah. there, and 
But that I did the I did the guest weather out there one night, and that's why I remember the green screen again, which was just like this piece of plywood that they found like in a dumpster somewhere that right. they spray painted green, and. We would do the weather, and you know, it'd be Richard and I on camera, and he'd go, "Hey, I'm here with, uh, you know, talk talk show host Rick Emerson," and then we'd be talking about, you know, I'd say like, whatever. Like, if you look over here to my left, you'll see that there's a lot of uh, strange cylinders over Portland that, you know, because it was like the cylinders that, that, that said lower high, and so I was kind of ripping off Bill Murray from Groundhog Day. But we would do the weather, and then we'd, then we would go to a break, and then Richard would just spend the next 12 minutes, like before the next weather segment. Going through his email with me, showing me all the women who had sent pictures of their asses in. <laughs> and it's like, look at this right here. This is a woman in Beaverton. She loves me. Check out this picture of her ass. And she gives you the side view, too. And he had a whole special folder in his email account just called Ass Picks. And it was just women That's who had a sent really their... unfortunate phrase. Yeah. But I mean. I anyway, never got so. to see that. <laughs> well, you know, maybe he'll come back. So were you on with him, like, during Blind Date? Um, No. It's a re- earlier. Well, I was I was just Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. Cool. So just kind of weekend, and as long as we just mentioned the weather, yeah. Really, we could talk about whatever we wanted. <laughs> it was great. I yeah. loved it. That's Absolutely kind of like it. as long as we remember to do the legal ID once an hour, we can kind of spend the rest of the hour talking about Richard Nunn and Britney Spears. Exactly. So, <laughs> uh, well, in any event, what time is it, Sarah? I, I think it's time for a break. Then maybe we can start the news on the other side. I love this watch, <laughs> but it's got this weird glare off the uh, off the lights. Is it a little liar about you? Um, is it? Um, yes, it is, actually. It's the one she got me last Christmas. So it's good, but I, yeah, but it's kind of got this glitch. I can never see what time it is. All right. So, uh, Lisa Hughes, we'll come back. We will, uh, begin the, uh, the news hour here at like 1225 we or something. we got we've got some good news today. When we return, and apparently Sarah's been holding, uh, in her back pocket kind of this, uh, this awful news story. Yeah, Lisa, I want to show this to you, and I want to see if you think this is as hideous as I think it is. Okay, great. It's a story she wants to punish me with, so we'll do that. <laughs> Coming up later on as well, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kassamem, Scott Daly. Uh, from filmfeverradio.com. We'll do the top five. Still to come today, Snuff Watch, Geek Watch, and all of that. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. Uh, see, I can already sense what's happening today. I'm on to you. I, I see what's going on, and this is, this is a little aligning against the, uh, against, the, against the man in the studio. You know what? It all started with having to rehear that eyeball story again. I'm sorry. All right. I can just, you know, it's already become a little girls' club on that side of the studio, and then I'm over here being the object of scorn and ridicule. That's fine, whatever. I don't know. I know you. You women love this girl power thing. We can't help it if girls rule. I know. (laughs) This is true, Rick. All right. Uh, We are here with uh, Lisa Hughes, uh, and uh, we uh, we got all of this stuff to do. I mean, so it's like 12:30, so we got to dive right into the news at some point. Well, we do, Um, but just for a second. So Lisa and I were talking during the break, and she had made mention of uh, having a child. Mm Mm-hmm. And she told me how old her child Wait, was. Wait, so you were so you're a mom? Yes. Okay. How many kids? One. Okay. And then we started talking and she told me the age of him and I'm just like, How is that possible? And then she told me her age. I I want you to try and guess how old Lisa is. Now we Wait, are you comfortable talking about this? Absolutely. Now okay. We'll, yeah, we'll, you should be. Okay, now before we do this, we should, is her photo up anywhere? Because Richie sent did Richie send along a photo of? He, of yeah, her? he sent me. A uh, I haven't had okay, but I haven't I haven't posted it yet. Should so I put it on my blog? Uh, yeah. Do you have that same photo? Yeah. All right. I didn't get a chance to post and it. And this is the one the you proved, right, Stacey? Uh, you know what? I just I said pick one that looks good. It's a cute picture. Okay. All right. Well, that's confidence. You tell Richie to pick one because right. it's like I wouldn't I would never do that. <laughs> okay. I would I would have I have to approve everything he does like, like okay. five different times because I never trusted judgment on these. No offense, Richie. Um. All right. So it's SarahXDillon.com. Is it H U G H E S? Yes. Okay. So at SarahXDillon.com here in just a moment, uh, there will be a photo of Lisa Hughes, who is filling it at the news desk today. In fact, let me 
real time here. Let me actually, Sarah, let me go to your site, too, so I know the photo that they're going to be looking at. Okay. Uh, let's see. Sarah. Sarah.com. All right. So I'm going. And then at some point, and I've learned that it's a bad idea for me to do these things, but at some point we'll have, uh, let me ask you this. Are you ever told that you look like some, like a celebrity? What celebrity are you told you most resemble? You know, when I was younger, when I was like 18, I had, because I've got naturally curly hair, which mm-hmm. I have to straight, people would tell me they look like Julia Roberts. But other than I don't that, see that at all. You know, I've changed. I, I morph. Like, it seems like yearly, I, I completely change. No, see, and I, and see, and I'm, I'm, I'm checking myself here as a guy, and I'm not going to uh, right. say the Lisa Loeb thing because of the glasses, and I know that's probably a lot that. of people would, but see, and I think a lot of that is not, I mean, you have a certain similarity, but guys see those, like, those kind of can-eye glasses, and they go right for that. Right. So, I don't really know. I'll have to, I'll have to ponder it, but, okay, so Sarah is posting okay, a photo right now. Let me double check, and there it is. Hey, that's a good hey, picture. yeah, there I yeah. am. All right. Um... <laughs> Yeah, that is not. Yeah, there's no Julia Roberts in that at all. Yeah. So. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I, I, okay, I need to so, think about it. I see somebody. So what am I? So what am I guessing here? I don't understand. Okay, I am shocked. How old would you uh, think Miss Hughes is? Mrs. See, Hughes. but I can't. Th- that's like one. That's only one step removed from like guess somebody's weight, which is just bad, 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 bad. I can't do that. Oh, no, no, I thought that we were the same age. Quite honestly, there is no good answer to this. Just pick something. <laughs> Twenty-seven. Oh, you're too kind. I don't know. I can't because I can't. There's no look at because if I say like fifty, then obviously you know you do. I look but like I don't a fifty-year-old. Right? Well, I'm just okay. no. But see, <laughs> but that's the that's the thing. That's like the guessing the weight because if you guess too high, then it's you think I look fat, and if you guess too low, then it's like right. oh, I guess you want a girl who weighs that then instead of like whatever you know whatever the girl actually weighs. Same thing with age. Uh, okay, so I'm just I, saying, she looks exactly, so if you go to sarahxdolan.com and you see the I'd show you, I guess you were exactly Sarah's. what she looks like. I would guess you are Sarah's age. Okay. Uh, is that wrong? That's very wrong. Very wrong. Do we get to know the actual answer? Yeah. Okay. I was born in 70. So you're, you're 39? I'll you're be not 30, 39. I'll be 39 that this That is May. a lie. She has a 19-year-old son. I just went to my 20-year reunion. That, yeah. You have a 19-year-old Isn't that yeah. ridiculous? Okay, that's yeah. how I responded to him. I'm like, you're that is, making that, that up. That is not possible. You know, he turns 20 this year, too. In a few months. Oh, I feel weird now. <laughs> how weird is that? I'm, all right, it's Can weirder for me. Can you see why me. I was kind of in shock? Yes. I'm going to look over here. I'm telling here. Sarah moisturizing cream. That's what I was asking. I'm like, tell me your secret. And she's I'm, like, moisturizer, moisturizer. I'm going to avert my why eyes Why are you not looking at her Because now it's all awkward. Uh, why is it awkward? Because... Yes. Say Am I older it. than you, Rick? No. Uh, yes. Yes, you actually are. All but, right. Um, all right. Well, in any event, twenty. He's gonna. Your son's gonna be twenty. Yeah. All right. I, mm-hmm. I, we'll move on. This because is like my my brain doesn't compute this. And I know we're doing a, a largely visual discussion here, so we'll move on. But you go to sarahxdillon.com and you get a chance and look at a photo of Lisa Hughes, who does not look thirty-nine. So just yeah, really, you uh, really whatever whatever you're using right now, the company ought to be hiring you to to, to do endorsements because uh, you know uh, you know that's what I was hoping to. You know, come on, <laughs> somebody, <laughs> Dove. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let us do this. We will begin the news hour with this, the news opener. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here is Lisa Hughes with the news. So it looks like our top story here, there's a police shoot. Uh, police take shooting suspect into custody. This is the 4200 block of Southeast Core. I'm a Southeast Portland girl. They responded to a report of shots fired, uh, 4200 block of Southeast Core, Friday morning, which was this morning, and took the suspect into custody for a short time. Police have shot down roads around the area, and uh, we'll have more details as they come in. So, so I drove by that this morning, and that's like right near where both of us live. Yes, that's, uh, un- <laughs> let's, let, we'll call it uncomfortably close to my home. Yeah. Maybe so much so that um, 
maybe one, if not both, of our streets were shut down as they were trying to find. <laughs> I will actually tell you this. I there was a meeting. I had to be at a, a, a meeting here this morning at eight thirty, and I left my house around eight fifteen, which is you know rush hour traffic, fifteen minutes usually enough. And I and I got in my car. And I was, you know, like running the car and defogging the window or whatever. And I looked and I looked in the back and I thought, well, okay, there's all this traffic. Why am I? And I'm waiting for the cars to get from behind me so I can back out of the driveway. And then they're not moving. And I finally get out of the car and I look and there are cars all the way down my street that have just, that are stuck there because the cops have blocked off both ends. Basically, so the cops sealed my street. Wow. And then I walked down to the corner and it was one of those things where every, you looked every single direction. And you could see that every single intersection was closed, and there were cop cars everywhere. And I realized that I had been hearing police sirens that morning. But it's like Southeast Portland; it happens all the time. It's like you know, it's like living next to a waterfall. You just you know, after a while, you don't even notice it. But I noticed that there were a lot of sirens that morning, and I thought, well, maybe there's a fire or something. So I didn't know what it was. So I'm sitting there, and I finally called the front desk and said, like, hey, this is Rick, and I'm supposed to be in a meeting. I'm late. I can't get out my driveway. And I said, I'm stuck in Southeast. And they go, Oh God, where? And I said, I told them, and they go, Oh, you should be inside your house right now. And I finally, I couldn't figure out what, and Susan Reynolds finally figured out that she discovered that there was this guy, this shooting guy on the loose. So I guess he had shot two people, and I guess... And the, escaped somehow. And escaped. He was walking around. Now, uh, subsequent to this, I think we have now heard that he's like 90 years old or something. Oh, I no. think I think they might have actually gotten the guy and found out that he was like a 90-year-old guy who'd shot two people this morning, and then just decided to go for a walk around the neighborhood. Um, but, but of course, I didn't know any of this, so this morning... Even before I try to leave the house, I'm out walking my dogs. You know, I'm just sort of oblivious. And just, <laughs> hey, there's police cars. Hey, I wonder what's going on. And I'm walking my dogs. Guy could have been up 15 feet behind me for all I know. See, and last night, um, so I was, I went to the plaid right there on the corner, the one on um, right. 39th and Holgate. So I was there last night at like 6 o'clock. I was picking up a couple bottles of wine because I was going to my friend Lisa's house. And there was a sign on the window that said, back in five minutes. I ended up waiting like 15, 20 minutes. There were a ton of people waiting outside. Yeah. Nobody came back. So when I'm so I thought it was really weird. I ended up going to another store. When I'm driving by this morning, the you know the Fox 12 News tank thing is in the parking lot as are like 10 cop cars. I'm like, oh my god, what if somebody was like right. tied up in the back? As you know, everyone's sitting out there, and I'm impatiently talking to my mom about how like stupid plot. They weren't open. They're, they're not open. I can't believe what they're doing. Right. So I thought that that was what happened. I thought maybe. Like something had happened at the plaid, and then I went home and saw the shooting story. And I, you know, I'm like, and I, oh, our glorious neighborhood. I heard the sirens, and I knew something was weird. But then I saw the coin news van go by, and I thought. I thought, okay, there's a real – and so my first thought, though, was a fire. Uh, you don't really ever think, like, hey, a 90-year-old guy with a gun is just sort of wandering around. But I guess so. somebody's saying now that they did – I guess they did get the guy, and he is – yeah, ni- he is 90 years of age. You know, and there's, like, an old folks' home right around there. I'm not saying he came from there, but I'm saying there's a – but there's, like, a nursing home just – in fact, I – well, I – I shouldn't say the name of it on the air, but it, 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 it's named after that 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 part of town. Let's put it that way. Um, there is like a there's a home for for old folks, uh, any number of whom I believe have uh, what do you call it, the crazy, the, in dementia. So um, I don't know if it has anything to do with that. Probably not. But do right, they well. let them keep guns? I don't really <laughs> know. Um, I yeah, think. What if there's a limitation on how old you can be to be a gun owner? Yeah, I think let might be a bit of an elastic term. I uh, it sounds like he may have uh, sounds like he may have had several. Several uh, disagreements with people this morning. Maybe one of them over, hey, maybe you shouldn't own a gun anymore, Grandpa. And then, oh, hey, ow, I'm bleeding. So I don't really know. I don't, I don't know how that's going to shake out. Oh, by the, okay. Apparently now, this is, I guess, KGW. Um, KGW is saying the 90-year-old man, quote, with issues. So there you go. Uh, the issues are apparently not uh, the ability to aim or fire, because I guess he's got those sort of down. 
All right. Well, there you go. Some more news as it happens here once again with the news. Lisa Hughes. And I'm sorry that that's an unfortunate rhyme. There's no way to get around it. <laughs> ah, it's okay. Um, so it looks like we're, you know, I, I, everybody's heard about this where the plane crashed. Um, looks like investigators brought a giant crane and a barge Friday to help pull out the U.S. Airways jetliner from the Hudson River one day after the pilot heroically brought the, uh, brought the disabled plane to safety with 155 people aboard. There was no fatalities. And so the, when we did this yesterday, they were saying no injuries. And then I went home and I watched CNN, and they, 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 they shifted their phrasing slightly, and they were saying, uh, what were they saying? They said very, they said few fatalities, or they said nearly n- nearly no fatalities, but I guess it, but now it is official that everybody survived, everybody made it off. Everybody survived, everybody made it off. They were just cold. Yeah. You know, it was a kind of a Titanic kind of scene I guess for a little bit. There's a button, apparently. I didn't know this, but they were doing... I don't know if any of you watched uh, CNN last night, but I was I was there you know, watching the the the, uh, the Bush thing and then the, and the recap and the whatever. But they on Anderson Cooper, I swear to Christ, it was like 45 minutes of just nonstop. Don't get me wrong, it's an interesting story, but after a while, I just was like, I'm gonna go. Make I this wish they toast. got an under. Uh, what I'm waiting for because things you know under the water that shouldn't be are scary. An underwater cam of like part of the plane like, slowly sinking. Yeah, because they had to have like been circling around it. So I wonder if anybody you know got and, any. Video. And by they, you mean sharks. No, not sharks. I'm oh, talking I'm, about people I'm, like I'm, videotaping I'm, like underneath with like half the plane underneath. To check the water. out the integrity of the uh, the whatever the, the underside or something. Oh, that'd be creepy. Like because some of the windows will be under the water and stuff. See, and the weird thing is, is that I guess I wonder. See, my whole thing was why isn't it sinking? That was our deal yesterday. Is we're watching this sort of as it unfolds, and we were kind of saying, well, it still seems to be floating. Like, why? Why is that? And first we thought, well, okay, we we couldn't really see. We couldn't really see a wide shot. We could only just uh, see the tight shot of it. And I thought, well, is it very close to shore? Is it like resting on the on the floor of the of the river? And then we were thinking, well, is it one of those things? Like they have those boats that they sell now, like a like passenger, you know, like pleasure craft or whatever they're called. You know, like a, like a, you know, like the thing you go and your family go fishing. And they have these boats that are made out of some some like space age polymer or whatever. Where the, in the demonstration they will actually saw the boat in half, and then they'll show that it still floats because the material itself. And I thought, well, maybe maybe the plane is made out of that. But then, of course, that's not true because it's it's metal. So I guess what happens is the planes now that are going to spend any amount of time over the water, they come equipped with this thing they call a ditch switch. And so if you have to ditch the plane into the water, it's literally it's just a button you press, and it just goes shung, and it seals all of the openings on the plane. Uh, sort of like the uh, sort of like the shields on the on the uh, Batmobile in uh, the 1989 Batman film, where it just goes you know shield, and then right. it just covers. So I guess they press that, and then the plane becomes watertight, which is why it was floating. But even those didn't hold forever, because by the end of the night, as Sarah said, I was watching it on TV, and the plane is slowly sinking into the water. And you got to know that Sarah and I both have kind of a weird fear of not just deep water, but we have a fear of things in the water that shouldn't be there. Yeah. So the notion of the plane slowly sinking is uh, is kind of freaky to us, but I don't... Uh... Anyway, so does it say... Just, I, I interrupted you. Does it say how they're getting it out of the water or what they're doing next? Uh, you know, it looks like they've got the, uh, they're, they're getting it out somehow. It's somewhere in here, but so maybe they're, they're pulling it out. The yeah. And, like, a, know, like the, the, the crane's pulling it out. They got it close to the, you know, the shore. I wonder if they're going to have to, like, they couldn't, I was like, maybe a boat with a crane on it, they're going to lift it up or something or, cause you can't fly. I would think they would just cut it up at this point because then like you can fly it again. Yeah. Who's going to want to be on right. that thing? You know, where would I, I know this plane looks familiar. Where do I know it from? Uh, nowhere in particular. So, right. All right, well, in any event, uh, let's see. Uh, we will move on to the uh, next story here in a moment, but this email says, about Lisa Hughes, Rick. Lisa Hughes has a nice voice and is kind of cute. 
Has she written for Portland Monthly and do nerds love her? Just curious. I'm sorry, that's a reference to um, that's a reference to someone else. That is a uh, that is a reference to somebody who did the news for us a few uh, days ago who was not a big fan of ours. And you know, actually, nerds do love me. Is that true? I don't know what it is, but all through high school, it was all the nerds that want. And you know what? I kind of like nerds. <laughs> really, you're gonna get everywhere with this audience I'm a fan of that nerds. way. Yeah. You know, I'm a nerd myself. I. Yay! I think we all. I'm a total here. dork. <laughs> There you go. You, if you listen, you can hear the 18 to 44-year-old male demographic leaning closer to the radio and saying, dude, turn that up. Right. So, all right. <laughs> Ladies, once again, uh, gentlemen, once again, Lisa Hughes. All right. So uh, here's this other manhunt for an armed uh, burglar near the Milwaukee area. They, uh, they're searching for a home invader who is reportedly at large with a stolen gun. Uh, shortly after 9 a.m. Wednesday, a woman dropped off her daughter at school, returned to her uh, home, which was on Southeast Maple Street in the Oak Grove neighborhood of Milwaukee. There, she says, the man, um, she faced him, and he was ransacking and burglarizing her home. And when he left, I guess he uh, grabbed their gun and bullets along with it. So maybe you ought to just not leave those laying around where a guy can steal them, first of all. Correct. And here's the interesting thing about this story. So I watched over to the Plaid Pantry this morning to get a uh, to get a Viso because we were all out of the bigger flavor in the vending machine. And I'm... What's Which the is word? the best, by the way. Addicted? It, it is, yeah. And I am addicted. And it is... I'm saying for me, that's my flavor of choice. I mean, that's my go-to flavor. Yeah. Um, sir, can you uh, sweeten my mic ever so slightly? Oh, of course. Thank you so much. Uh, but I was walking over to, the, uh, to uh, the Plaid Pantry this morning, and I'm doing that thing of just, you know, like checking out the newspaper headlines on the way in to see if there's anything that people are talking about that I need to discuss. And it says, I forget what it is, but the, the, the headline of the day's Oregonian says something like, gunfire in southeast Portland. And I was, like, all impressed that they'd somehow gotten the newspaper out, like, to cover this thing that happened this morning. I'm like, by God, that's crackerjack journalism. That only happened, like, three hours ago. How is the newspaper out? And so I pick it up to, to see if maybe there's news about the shooting in my neighborhood. And it turns out, no, 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 it's, in fact, an entirely separate shooting in southeast <laughs> Portland, one that happened, like, yesterday or Wednesday or whatever it is. So... I guess really, uh, you know, I guess we've now just entered some sort of a golden season uh, for shootings in in the southeast section so of our city. Did you see you're a southeast lady as well? Yes, I'm born and raised. Awesome, felony flats area. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> That's where they always find my truck when it gets stolen. So <laughs> okay. at some point, you happen to see a Toyota 4Runner that looks like it's been abandoned. Right. Uh, has a series of uh, stickers from San Diego on the back. You just, uh, you know, that's uh, that's me. You just give me a call because okay. that yeah, means absolutely. Right now. All right, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, here is uh, Lisa Hughes with the news. Okay, now are we are we done with the uh, the guy in Milwaukee, right? I think probably yeah. multiple shootings in Portland will hold yeah. us for now. Okay, uh, so Multnomah County needs charitable donations. Um, three Multnomah County nonprofit organizations are in desperate need for food, winter clothing, and other essentials. Um, Ted Wheeler, which is the county chairman, issued a challenge last week to the public and county employees to order to help three nonprofit or, uh, agencies replenish their supplies of food, winter clothing, and other essentials. I guess you can go to the uh, Juvenile Justice Center, which is on uh, Northeast 68th Avenue. They're open Monday through Friday from 8 to 5. Multnomah County Library and the Hollywood Library. Too. Are they asking me to give things to juvenile delinquents? Is that the, is that the, <laughs> that's the implication of this story? They're saying that the organizations need charitable donations. And they say you can go to your, first of all, any story that contains the phrase, and if you want to do this, you can go to the local juvenile detention center. Not going to happen. So not for charitable purpose, not for any, not for, not to bail out a relative, doesn't matter. So. And if you're giving canned food, you want to really make sure that it's actually canned food because they do have those, you know, fake cans. And I guess there was a lady that had money and jewelry that she had put in there and she dropped it off at uh, somewhere. I think we there was well, yeah she I put like I remember like a few months ago right it was yeah. like it's like a twenty thousand dollar it was like one of those Campbell's 
soup cans. Yeah. It really is a safe. And and I guess it was either her or her husband had given. She put like her twenty thousand dollar ring in there, and he'd given right. it to the chair. Which of course then makes you look like an ass because you have to go down to the chair to go. Hey, uh, all that stuff I dropped off. I'm going to need it back. You're going to have to. Uh, I'm sorry. You won't be. Uh, I won't be able to help you with that right now. So. And she did get it back. By she the way. did. No, yeah, they she did. She did get it back. They did find it. Excellent. Yep. All right. So if you wish to uh, to be charitable, you know. To uh, you know, to miscreants or hooligans, I guess you can. I guess you can do that. There are a lot mm-hmm. of hungry people out there. Uh, uh, let's see who this is. Hello, hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. How can I help you today? Hi, Rick. How's it going? What's up? Hey, uh, you know that plane that landed in Hudson, that that uh, pressurized switch you're talking about? Yeah. Well, you got to remember that you sit on top of your luggage and all the other stuff, and that's what pressurizes. I'm sorry. So I mean, go say that one more time because I think I missed something there. Well, when you're in the plane, you're you're sitting on top of your luggage. Right. The bottom half of the plane is the cargo hold. Right. So therefore, that's what that's what pressurizes when they hit that switch. That's why it floats. Oh, I see. Okay, oh. so that's all right. That that makes sense. All right. Okay. No, no, no. That 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 does make sense now. And I never understand, by the way, how pressure works. Like I I sort of do, but. That is like an I before E except for C thing when they talk about low pressure, high pressure, and then the cabin of a plane. I always have to stop and work it through in my head because we had that story a while back about a guy who was trying to open the plane in midair, but it turns out that, like, you can't because you actually have to open the door inward, then outward, which you can't do in midair because the cabin pressure is such that. But I never, like, I always have to stop and reread those stories several times because the whole notion of air pressure for some reason is one that mystifies me. That's like, I think I must have been gone that week or something. So well, it doesn't seal as such, but it just, it's the cabin, that area just uh, pressurizes and then the air just, or whatever, stays it, which is why it floats. I mean, it, it, it creates a watertight seal. When you pressurize the system, you're expanding all the rubber and everything, you know, ah, and it right. creates an airtight seal. And plus, you have to remember, too, the wings are hollow. So somebody told me that the wings on the, the plane, wings that the wings are hollow, but that they are the strongest, that they're the strongest section of the plane, which I guess it must be because it's got it's to it's lift the plane in the air, right, or what it keeps it in the air. So Yeah, well, yeah, because the wing is basically uh, a section of support beams and ribs right. with aluminum skin over it. All right. See, and, and uh, the aluminum on the bottom of the wing is actually stronger than the aluminum on the top of the wing. And I'm also and that's gonna... also where the fuel tanks are at. You're. Let me ask you this: Are you in fact a pilot, or are you just a guy who is a nerd for airplanes? Uh, kind of both. I, mean... I was a pilot for a while, and but I fl- I flew uh, I flew helicopters. All right. Which I wouldn't say with any disrespect. I'm just saying there's guy. There are guys. It's weird. There's this is what we talk about on the program. In term, we call it the power of distributed computing, where if somebody calls up with a question and I don't know the answer, Sarah doesn't know the answer, the thing is somewhere out there in the vast listening audience, there is a guy or a woman somewhere who has knowledge about that specific thing. And we love them. And we love them. So you are, for now, you are that airplane guy today, sir. So well oh, done, my friend. Thank friends. you. All right. Hey, if, you, if you're really freaked out about the airplane in the water, never go to the Bahamas because when you go diving, there's all kinds of stuff down there. Thanks so much. You bet. All right, bye. bye now. All right. Oh. Well, you know, like when I was on a boat in uh, Lake Washington, I remember in Seattle, like this guy um, had this tracking device. Oh where you God, could, no! Don't don't where even. You can measure. No, no, no. Where it can look at like the bottom of the ocean. Where does the or, the sonar, the radar, the, sonar, the imagery? So you can see, like the imagery of like if there's anything sticking up, and there were just all of these of valleys and peaks. Oh no! And, hills. and you could see. Boat shape. Oh, so it wasn't like an so amorphous blob. It, you know, and it's right down there, and you can see, like, from the side of it, it, like, tracks. All of a sudden, it's, like, flat, flat, flat. And then and, there's like, a boat. boat yeah. And then keeps going. That's freaky. Wrong. I mean, there's... Wrong. I don't know. Uh, do you have any... Lisa Hughes, do you have any phobias? 
Uh, I'm very claustrophobic. Really? Yes. So is that That's now... pretty much my only phobia, I think. Now, here's the... I always wonder about claustrophobia. Is that a thing that you have, that you have to deal with a lot? In other words... Like you're afraid of heights, like maybe you don't want to fly or go up in a tall building or something, or if you're afraid of spiders, like you never know when one's going to be in the bathtub. But if you're claustrophobic, like when do you when when is that a problem? Is like it like when you're in a department store and there's like a lot of people around, or like or an elevator in a room. Um, you know, elevators are not too bad, but if the elevator stopped and got stuck, yes. So you'd freak out. I'd freak out. Um, when I was in uh, high school, we had this challenge um, where we all had to try to see how many people we could fit in a Volkswagen Bug, and not thinking about anything. I hopped in. I got into the back seat, and everybody else hopped in. I freaked out. But, you know, I'm in high school, and I didn't want anybody to know I'm sure. claustrophobic. So I just kind of <laughs> just relaxed there and just... Hyperventilating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, exactly. man. All right. It's all due to my brother. Are you... Uh, what are did you... he do? He used to lock me in closets. You know, I'd hide in the closet, and he'd hold the door shut. Now, did, and... this, was, did <laughs> this cause the phobia, or was this his attempt to cure it? No, that was the cause of my phobia, definitely. <laughs> well well <What> done. <laughs> Way to go, guy. Because, uh, like, sometimes it, it brothers, it, it, guys in general, but brothers especially, I don't know, but the, the, the dynamic between... Well, I was just telling my mom's brother's story the, uh, yesterday. Uh, the Oh, yeah, but throwing her in a pool full of cockroaches. Yes. Um, the, no, it's <laughs> my fantastic. My three older brothers. And there was a swimming pool with cockroaches f- sort of floating on the top. And, and it was when had... she was little, and like um, and they were really excited because they didn't have a lot of money, but they were staying, at, at, her dad was on a work trip, and they were staying at this hotel with a right. pool. And so all of her brothers moved all of the cockroaches over to one side of the pool, and they were alive and swimming on top of the water. But oh, they're right. like, it's okay, Christy. You know, you can go swimming in that part. And so she gets ready to jump into the part without the cockroaches, and they pick her up and threw her into... The side where they had scooped all of the cockroaches. Oh, gross! And the, I mean, the dynamic between brothers and sisters is sort of is sort of interesting. I mean, it really is. It really is one of the only places in nature, if not the only place, where you find guys treating uh, girls like guys. Uh, and uh, so, I, I guess when you, I guess when you're siblings, you just don't make any distinction. Right. Um, it, like my my sister, who. You know, who was who was great for most of her life before she became a religious crazy person. But uh, when I was growing up, she was she was normal and funny and whatever. But my sister, she would have her friend, um, her friend's actually her actually friend's friend's name was Heather. But um, so my sister would have her friend Heather over, and she was I don't know she was my mom started having kids pretty pretty young, and so she was my sister was like ten years older than I was, but. Um, but she and her friend Heather would would uh, lure me like into like a hallway, like the bedroom or something, someplace where my mom could not hear my screams. And then they would do that thing where one of them would like kneel on me, like like knees on my shoulders, like pinning me down. And then they would just sit there and they would either do a couple Spitting. things. They would either do like tickle my nose or something, and I'm sitting there like ah, come on, you know. And they're like pinning me down. Um, or they would do the thing of. Do you ever have a sibling do this to you, where they will kind of get on you and they'll pin down your their shoulders your shoulders with their knees. And then they'll take their index finger, and then they'll start going and tapping your, your sternum. Like right Lisa's oh, yeah. doing it right yep. there, like a tap torture kind of a thing, which doesn't seem like it ought to tickle or whatever that is. Yeah, it's, it hurts. It's not even really, but it's... It's, it's like really uncomfortable, even if it's just light. See, yeah. not, maybe that's it. See, it's not like a pain, and it's not like a but tickle. Your skin's so thin there. It's like a weird... It doesn't tickle, and it doesn't hurt as such. It's just like a strange sensation that you don't like. Right, and you're tied down. I think totally. that's part of it. You, you'd have no control. Exactly. And they, they would just do it forever. And then, of course, yes, they would do the thing of... They would do the thing of, yes, like gathering up a bunch of saliva in their mouth and then dangling it over my face oh. and then sucking it back right before. And occasionally, though, they would... Occasionally, though, the... Uh, the tension just wouldn't hold, and it would, and then I would just be covered in spit. So, you know, childhood sibling love. Um, but my mom had this phobia of water. My mom was very aquaphobic when she was growing up. And so, what did her brother do? And this was uh, this was in 
God, where would this have been? Well, it was it was somewhere it was somewhere around it was somewhere like around Malala, but there was a big lake. And um, anyway, some of her brothers had the great idea of just taking her out in a boat and kicking her out, and then rowing back to shore. And it's one of those things that I guess is amusing because she didn't die. Right. But I think there was no backup plan. Like, there was no, what are you going to do if she sinks like a stone? I right. think that would have been lie and say that she was abducted by gypsies. Uh, because he just sort of wrote back and was like, you'll make it, you know. And then he just went back home for lunch. So, and then my, she. My know. brother threw me out of the boat once in the middle of Clear Lake up uh, up on the mountain. Mm-hmm. and But that was because I was kind of bragging about how I'm such a great swimmer. And he right. said, prove it. Pushed me out of the boat. And he took off back to shore. And I had to swim all the way. But. Are you from Oregon originally? Yep. It almost right. sounds like you've got a southern accent a little bit. Really? From time to time. Not all the time. But Are it, you from Portland or from Portland? Yeah, Portland. Absolutely. Yeah, every I'll now be. and again, it almost sounds like you've got a little bit of a southern inflection. So, all right. Like, all, but almost <laughs> like the kind that you have worked to, to sort of to lose. To repress. So, yeah. Right. So, hmm, right. Interesting. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll, Jesus, it's 1 o'clock. Uh, we'll come back after this. Uh, around the corner, we've got more on the way, including Lisa Hughes. We've got Steve, uh, Steve Kastenbaum coming up. We've got Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio. Your calls and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. Why, hello, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Coming up here in just a a few moments, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum uh, in New York City. Later on, Scott Daly from FilmFeverRadio.com. We'll do the uh, top five. Still to come, uh, news-wise, we have a snuff watch on the way. Uh, Bush watch, I think. A whole bunch of other stuff. By the way, I'm just going to read this really quickly because I never really... I I did sort of the the, the headline and the... the, uh, Oh, the lady with the shoes? Yeah, the... The opening sentences. This is how yesterday. kind Rick is to me, by the way. Okay. I'm just saying, I like. Why don't you tell her how you've been selling the story all week? I like to help uh, shed a little bit of light uh, on things that you know I I think that other people might find useful. I, you know, Rick Emerson cares, and so. How is it useful if she's dead? I'm just saying. Here's the thing about this story that I hold in my hands right here. Okay. I've been saying for a few days now, and I never really have read the whole story. I only gave a little bit of it. I just said that in case Sarah was interested in how she was inevitably going to die, this story was a little, uh, it was a little glimpse into her future. Okay. Here's the thing you need to know about Sarah. Uh, Sarah, sort of bad stand-up comedy jokes notwithstanding, Sarah does have a lot of shoes. I mean, really, just an amazing... Just I like shoes. She I has, love shoes. I like shoes and handbags and sunglasses. Those are my problems. Oh, totally. Handbags, I, love handbags. I'm just saying, if you go to Sarah's house, there are literally cupboards full of shoes. Uh, like and cupboards, cupboards full of purpose. Above purposes. you. And so we've got says, shopaholic spinster found dead under three feet of shoes. A spinster who obsessively hoarded clothes died in her home after a mountain of shoes fell on her, burying her alive. And I guess it wasn't just shoes, because I guess there were other clothes in there as well. Um, Joan, uh, Joan Cunin, 77, owned 300 scarves, as well as thousands of trinkets and valuables alongside the footwear. 
They took up so much space in her bungalow, she only had a two-foot-wide path to get around them, and her car and garage were packed with other goods. After she was reported missing earlier this week, it took police searching her home two days to sift through her possessions. To find her? Miss Cunin was eventually found buried under a... Three-foot pile of shoes and clothing in a back bedroom where she'd apparently gone, Sarah, in search of a favorite item. The eccentric How pensioner... They know that? They don't know that. The eccentric pensioner, who had no known family, is thought to have died of dehydration several days earlier on Boxing Day. Yesterday, neighbors spoke of their shock at the macabre death of Miss Cunin, a retired BT that is... Uh, well, it's not British Patrol, it's something or other. A devout Roman Catholic who attended church every weekend. Her closest friend, Roy Moran, 77, said, and I'm not thinking of anybody in this room when I say this, quote, I, I think it just gave her pleasure to buy things. None of it was really essential. I once asked her how many scarves she had. She said she thought around 300. I asked her why she needed that many scarves, Sarah. She said, you said you didn't nobody in mind. No, I'm, I'm just saying I thought you might find the story interesting yeah, just as a yeah. news item. She said she owned 300 scarves. I asked her why she needed so many. Sarah, let me ask you this. Let me ask you to complete this, this sentence. So she owned around 300 scarves. The guy says, why do you need 300 scarves? What did she say in response? Well, because you never know which ones you want to wear with which outfit. Something like that. She says, well, because they're all different colors, of course. Yeah. It she, makes total sense. Right. She bought everything, he said. Uh, it had been going on for 16 years when she bought the property. Uh, so, uh, let's see. Well, you know what's good for her? If that's her money that she made and she wants to spend it on 300 scarves, then God bless her. I'll finish it up by saying this. Mr. Moran said his friend would spend hours at branches of Marks and Spencer, John Lewis, and Ikea rather than spend the evenings at home, which was crammed full but amazingly tidy. He says... That's like me. I live in organized chaos. Like, I have a lot of stuff, but at the same time, I know where everything is. So you know how you're the one who keeps saying that's like I'm, me. I've never made that observation. No. Same way. Yes. <laughs> I went to the house three times and couldn't find her anywhere. That's how much stuff she owned. He said um, uh, there were concerns about the police going in. There were stacks and stacks and stacks of shoes and boxes and trinkets everywhere. It was a death trap, really. So there you go. Uh, is there a picture? Um, there's a picture of there's a picture of the woman. Who oh, is, but no picture of the no house? picture. There's no the picture cover. of said death trap. Is there so. an estate sale going on? <laughs> See, that's there you go. That's that's why occasionally, I mean, because this is sort of a let's just be honest. There's a little bit of a guy fest here most of the time, you right. know, which is you know, which is fine. Um, uh, but it's a lot of X chromosomes, so or Y chromosomes. What am I? What's right? Y chromosome. I don't know. So every now and again, I think it's good to have this dynamic because it's. Uh, it's a different slice of humanity is what it is, because right. I would never have made that observation. Do you feel better for reading that story now? I do. I'm so glad. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, once again, with the news, uh, our good friend, Lucy Hughes. Okay, so uh, Winehouse. What's, what's her first name? Amy, Amy Winehouse. Yeah, and I always want to see what she looks like without her makeup. I, I, I would you don't like see to that. see her without her makeup. No, no, no. Um, but it looks like she went to, um, she went somewhere. I was reading this here, but she uh, she was at some resort, and she drank so much one night uh, on this week that the hostel, uh, hotel staff refused to serve her any more alcohol. She was crawling around on her hands and knees, going up to people's tables and grabbing their drinks off their tables and drinking them. You know, yeah. So, um, but uh, they like crawling around like an old, like a dog. I mean, they have a picture of her on like. All fours. Really? No, yeah, there's, there's a picture on, of her on all fours, yeah. Oh, this is up. one of those weird British stories that's broken up into like nine different sections with a bunch of pictures. 
Wow. That's Amy Winehouse crawling around like a dog. <laughs> well, I don't understand, though. What is the... So you, she was crawling around. First of... Jesus. Okay. Let's just stop. First of all... She's at a resort, mm-hmm. and I get them to say where, but she's at some resort, which is presumably a moneyed place. That is a place where, you you know, it's a little upper upper class, upper crust. I mean, if they won't serve Amy Winehouse any more booze, you got to figure at some point, like, that's, I mean, that, that really, you've gone past the point of cutoff. I mean, that's a lot of booze if they won't even give Amy Winehouse more. Well, and what they, basically what they did is the hotel staff sent her up to her room so she wouldn't bother the rest of the guests, mm-hmm. and um, they just brought her a bunch of wine. <laughs> That's so great. So so they wouldn't serve her, so she starts crawling around on all floors. You said she was taking the drinks off other people's tables? She was taking the drinks off other people's tables, um, and she was also going around, and she was taking off her bra and that, going around topless. That's great. Here's the thing about, just to go back to something you said, you, you, it might, you might feel compelled to see her without her makeup or curious about it, but you don't ever do that because no. that's a thing you can never unsee. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, as a guy, like I, and I don't know. See, here's my problem with Amy Winehouse is that I don't, aesthetically speaking, anyway, I don't think I ever got a chance to be attracted to her because I think the first time I ever saw her, she was like picking at a sore on on like on her head. Um, so, you know what I mean? It's sort of like you know, it's sort of like when you see somebody like um, who's a good example? Like you see somebody like uh, you know, like Liz Taylor, mm-hmm. and you realize, okay, there was a time when Liz Taylor was like the hottest single woman on earth when she was un- like jaw droppingly beautiful, and you can sort of get some distance from it. The thing with Amy Winehouse is, just, I never had that chance. Like I never got to, who's this? Oh, it's a woman covered in scabs, and she seems to be braless, you know. And then you know, it's just, like I can, I could never find her attractive. Now I don't care what they did to her, I would never be able to find her arousing in any way. Because you said of, that about Britney Spears too, and like. I mean, but it's the same thing. Like, I don't but think... she's kind of gotten, you know, improved. Maybe, but Britney and Amy Winehouse are still worlds apart. I mean, I know Britney Spears showed her period panties and shaved her head. But, I mean, that's right. but that, that's different from Amy Winehouse, who actually looks like the crows have pecked at her. I mean, she looks like she was covered in molasses and left in a field, and, and only, everybody had a chunk. Yeah, she's only 25. Too. Yeah, and, she, and she's walking around, again, on all fours like a dog. Imagine that you're some guy, and it, and that must have been because she thought it was being, like, stealthy, right? So imagine you're there, you're at the resort, maybe you are got your shoes off, you and your significant other are there, you're vacationing, you've had a day in the sun, uh, we've had surf, we've had sand, we've, you know, we're going to have a, a night spent strolling the boardwalk and an evening of romance, we're going to have a relaxing dinner with a glass of wine as we look into each other's eyes across the table through the candlelight. Can this... I put this on my blog? It actually has pictures of her with about... Twelve wine glasses in front of her. So, so <laughs> and there then a you... picture of her climbing around on the floor. So, so that right. So there you are, right? And so it's you and like your girlfriend, your your husband. Look, you know the stars are beaming down. The scent of jasmine is in the air. Music playing softly as you finish your entree and you're waiting for a waiting for a dessert to arrive to conclude this fantastic dinner. As you know that you go off for a you know for a night of couple to get. Wait, hold on. There's something. No, I think it's I think it's a pigeon or. <laughs> Something. Hold on. Now it's, oh, God! And then it's Amy Winehouse <laughs> on all fours looking up at you going, can I have your drink? I mean, that's a thing you can never wash out of your brain. It's like looking down and seeing a zombie uh, going right through your ankle. I don't think asking for the drinks either. I think she was she's just stealing just them, right? them, yes. <laughs> so it's sort of like you're there at the table. We'll get Steve Cashman in like five seconds. But it's a thing where, like, you're at the table. And again, you know, like, a, how, how's, you know, how's your baked Alaska? Oh, it's fantastic. How's your Chateaubriand? Oh, it's quite wonderful. <laughs> Is that your hand? It's not my hand. Wait a minute. And then, seriously, and then, has your hand gone all spotty? Who is this? And then it's like, thing, but no, it's Amy Winehouse. It's like grabbing, grabbing drinks off your table. 
This is all, and I got more to say about this when we're done. And let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. I mean, it's like Carl Weathers in Arrested Development, right? Where you're just, <laughs> hey, Carl Weathers is in our kitchen again. No, I don't know. I fumigated, but he, no, he, he won't leave. Uh, hello, Steve Kastenbaum. How are you? Hello. You know, I know we're supposed to talk about the greatest happy ending story ever it, in in modern history, but I must say that um, I go to Sarah's uh, blog mm-hmm. uh, fairly regularly just to look for Amy Winehouse, uh, uh, the latest photos. Of My Amy friend, Winehouse. today is Christmas for you. Give me like two seconds and then you should go there. Uh-huh. Oh, I, I will as soon as I get off the phone call because I'm not in front of a computer right now, but I definitely will. I didn't know there were new photos. Oh, there are oh. there you there are always new photos. Gold. Look, here's the thing. If we wanted, do you ever hear that? Like they'll they'll, they'll use statistics like, um, you know, hostess makes so many Twinkies that you could eat, you know, you could constantly eat Twinkies as they were coming off the assembly line and they would never run out. Like they would still stretch to the moon or whatever. We could have a blog that was just nothing but constantly updating photos of Amy Winehouse, and we would still never get to all of them because, again, crawling around on all fours like <laughs> like a dog stealing drinks. So, right. which is classy. I mean, you figure that when Amy Winehouse checks in, they got to know, like, don't they see to the end of the page here? Can't they see <laughs> to the end of this scenario? Like, this is going to end poorly. So let's put her in a special room and just run a hose up there from the vineyard. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, she makes uh, Jim Morrison look like the good humor man. I really? mean, she's... <laughs> and she's only 25. That's the thing. We um, we uh, are joined today by a woman named Lisa Hughes who was filling in at the news desk today. And we were... I was put in the awkward position earlier of having to guess her age. And it turns out that the, she's... Um... And I also have a picture of her on the blog as well, so... Yeah, and she's oh, cool. 39, which I never would have guessed. And Very beautiful lady. We were talking about in ages May. and whatever. But... And in May. And... The thing about Amy Winehouse is Amy Winehouse is younger than all of it. Amy Winehouse is, uh, Sarah is the youngest person in the room. Amy Winehouse is younger still, but it's like she's just aging. It's like this geometric age where she's now about 75. She's like one of those, she's like one of those kids that gets that disease that it turns you into an old person when you're like nine, but she's... Phil Donahue used to have them on all the time. But it's like, but but they're still like little, like they're kids sized. They're just old. She's like a full expanded version of one of those kids. And then also she stinks and appears to be oozing something most of the time. So, you know. Yes. On that note, Steve, let's talk about what we are now, I think, legally required to call Miracle on the Hudson. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, something that uh, there was no oozing, you know, coming from this plane crash. uh, that's the worst uh, segue I've ever heard, Steve. I was looking for one. I was trying. I was yeah. I was really reaching there. But um, what is so? Know, uh, let me. I'm sorry. Just very quickly before we do this, what is up with the the pilot guy? Because every the only reason I ask is I went to CNN today, and CNN.com had the same photo everybody else did of the pilot, which was I swear to God like a high school photo. Because they, <laughs> I guess he hasn't been interviewed anywhere. But the only photo they found was like an old black and white thing from when he was like 15. Oh, there's a there's another photo of him, you know, uh, recently, like um sort of a professional shot of him in his pilot's uh, uniform. You know what's really funny about this? The poor guy can't uh, accept all this adulation uh, right now because he's still involved in the NTSB investigation. And as long as it's ongoing, uh, he, he's not authorized uh, and would actually be violating you know, rules and putting his pilot's license uh, in jeopardy if he were to talk about the most amazing emergency landing ever <laughs> in modern travel history. And uh, I, I'm I'm really wondering, although I'm sure his wife would have let us on if, if this were the, were the case, but I'm wondering, like, wouldn't it really just kill this story if his co-pilot actually did all the work? Maybe. So it turned out the I was actually in the lavatory at the time. I, uh, 
It was really Ted. I wasn't even here. I, uh, I'm sorry about that. Boy, is my face red. The, here's a question for you, and maybe this is maybe this is coming up, maybe it hasn't. The number of the, the jillions of tourists that are in New York City at any moment, and about 25% of them are filming things. Is there any? Has there emerged any home video of this? Any filming of the Where actual landing? The video? Where's the video? There's That's what I'm saying. Be video. I mean, somebody out there must be holding out and negotiating with like some tabloid right now. You know, some incredible fee because all along the Hudson River, you've got the tourist attractions. You've got uh, the the Intrepid Sea Air and Space Museum. You've got the Circle Line uh, um, tour boats. You know, you've you've got uh, people just walking up and down uh, the Hudson River. You've got the cruise ship terminal. I, I mean, you know, there, there's there's people with cameras at the ready on every block in Manhattan. Nobody got video of this plane landing. I mean, there, there's surveillance videos like all over the Hudson River. Like you know, uh, not far from there is the New Jersey entrance to the to the Lincoln Tunnel, right? And there's like these cameras atop of billboards there that actually I've seen them do this on TV. They'll they'll move them and they'll focus them in onto the Hudson River. You mean to tell me none of those cameras caught this plane? Come on, well, you know, I, I want to see it. I was talking to Rupe the other day about this shooting in Oakland. Uh, you know, this cop shoot, or the, you know, the cop who, who shot the guy. And, you know, there's all this, it, which wouldn't have been found out except there was like five different people. It was at the on the BART, which is their light rail there, and. You know, the, the cops grab this guy and they put him face down on the pavement, whatever. And then, but, but there's a whole bunch of passengers there who hear kind of a ruckus, and out comes the cell phone. And of course, everybody's cell phone has a camera and a video camera at that. And there's like nine different people. Because on CNN, on Anderson Cooper, they were showing the shooting from about twelve different angles because so many people had filmed it. And right. so I find it hard to believe that in. I mean, look, I hate to be morbid, but in New York, of all places, in Manhattan, when a when a, a massive jet plane in Manhattan starts flying really low near the city, right near a bunch of structures, I hate to say this, but you've got to figure that everybody's going, wait a minute, hold on, where's my camera? Because, you know, you, because yeah. everybody's acclimated to, to capture those images now. So you've got to be right in that somebody must be in a room somewhere going, look, I want 100 grand, like right now. Yeah, exactly. There has to be. Because, I mean, look at all the footage there was. Uh, I mean, there was footage of, of the, I, I hate to make this comparison, but it, it was an, it was eerily reminiscent of the planes uh, flying, uh, you know, through the harbor or down along the route of the Hudson River to, to crash into the uh, Twin Towers on 9-11. Now there's footage of the first plane flying into uh, uh, the, the tower. You know, nobody was ready for it. All of a sudden it was overhead at, you know, 500 miles per hour or whatever speed. And that was captured on, on video. So this plane was going slower, you know, in the middle of the river. Uh, I, 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 and I kid you not, I mean, I, I've seen so many different surveillance shots. You know, there's always like a, a camera that's pointed at the George Washington Bridge on some local TV station, you know, they use for a beauty shot. I, I, I can't believe that there isn't a video of this amazing, uh, the most amazing emergency landing on water ever. I think your mood at this moment could only be described as apoplectic. Well, I mean, well, imagine the relief. I, I was out there, yeah, okay, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I mean, like, because we're not there, but I mean, like, you living in New York, it must just be extra, super a happy day for you, cause, because a plane ending, you know, crashing ended well, and that must... I mean, and also, and, and just, also, I can hear, I think that if I can generalize for a moment, I think also there's a little bit of a guy thing at work here, too, because guys love to see stuff crash into other stuff sometimes. I mean, that's the whole thing, the Discovery Channel is based on that premise, right? What is right, this? Right. Well, it's called, uh... It's called Crushing Things. Well, what is the show about? Well, 
here's some things, and here's a crusher, and then, like, there you go. That's an hour of television. So guys love to see, like, one thing hitting another thing really hard most of the time. And so I can hear that there's, like, three different things at work. There's you as a New Yorker, again, wishing to see the happy ending, and, you know, finally it's a story that ends well, and it's, you know, disaster averted. There's you as a journalist who you want to see a document of this event. You want to see the actual visual documentation of the news story. And then there's you as a guy going... Come on, he landed a plane in the river. I want to see that, right? Because like in yeah. your mind, he's in your mind, he's like Chuck Yeager uh, in there, you know, or like John McClane going like, I'm going to put this plane down if it's the last thing I do, you know. You know, we've needed a feel-good story for so long now. I mean, you know, put aside the election uh, and the campaign because that was just mentally exhausting for so long. And I know we've got the inauguration next week, and it's a big happy moment. But you know, America has needed a, a generic. Feel good story for so long, given the the role of negative news that we've been on uh, with the economy, with uh, wars going on around the world, and we've needed something, right? This guy comes along, you know, and everybody who knows him says, if there was anybody you would ever want behind the stick, behind the yoke of, of an airplane, at a time like this, with both engines out, right? Uh, this is the man to do it. You know, everybody has said it, that this is the guy you would want, and, and he does it. He does a picture-perfect, you know, textbook landing right down the center of the Hudson River. He, he, the plane comes to a stop right across from a, a ferry terminal, and yet he manages not even, not even to, literally not even to, you know, bump into any of the vessels that are in the Hudson River at the time. And you know so, what, I, I mean, and I bet he did that thing, too, of, you know, uh, somebody told me that they were getting the passengers off the plane, and that all the passengers were standing on the wing or whatever, and like they, the boats came and they get all the passengers, and of course the pilot is still there. And I don't know if this is true or if I just want it to be true, but somebody told me that after all the passengers have left the plane, they're on the boats, everybody is gone, they're accounted for. That they tell the guy, "All right, Chuck, you know, or whatever his name is, like we can go," because my head is Chuck Yeager still. And they said, "Like, okay, we can go," and he goes. No, 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 I'm going to do one more walkthrough. And like, just one more walkthrough, like checking like in the lavatory or something. So He did. He did another walkthrough. His, his name is Chesley uh, 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 Sullenberger. Uh, and, and people call him Sully. Of course. Sully Sullenberger. Of course they or, CB, or CB Sullenberger. Or the coolest guy who's ever lived. I, we should, uh, I should uh, call like General Mills or whatever right now and demand that he be put on a Wheaties box instantly. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they're already working it up. <laughs> and here's the thing. Can I just say this, by the way? I don't mean to do a whole thing about stuff. But this, the phrase, you know, that guy's a real hero. Like The term hero just gets used so loosely at this point. It's like any – like that, that – Look, I don't mean to be I don't mean to be un American, but that Michael Phelps guy, uh the you know, the the guy who won all the medals for swimming or whatever, like so you can swim. Like shut up. I I don't care. No one cares. No one cares that you can swim. It doesn't matter. The so the, the, we're just so desperate for somebody to be a hero that we'll take some guy. What can you do? Well, I can swim back and forth really quickly. Yes, it's a totally useless skill that has no application. Look at me. And then we give him, you know, and I got a low body fat. So then we're just like ringing him, you know, crowning him like he's an Adonis. This guy, though, uh, this is really this is really that guy that you want so you can use the word hero properly. Yeah, exactly. Right. This, I, mean, I mean, there are 155 uh, people, 148 passengers and uh, seven crew, including himself, alive today because of this man's skills. Don't you think we ought to have a hero fund set up in America? And so when a guy like this does something, let's go, 
Look, uh, here's a house, here's a car, and here's uh, here's uh, five million dollars. So there you go. You don't have to do anything else ever again. Lining up to to give this guy uh, awards and honors and stuff. I mean, yeah, his it's really. I don't know if you know, but there's like some Facebook page already set up for the guy, and like a fan page, and he's got thousands of uh, people on it already, and stuff. It's just incredible. I mean, I I find it. uh, I'm almost. I'm I'm starting to find it a bit odd. The adulation being uh, poured onto this guy. But I, you're I mean, right. I'm I think, but I think. But you're. I think you are totally onto something when you say that this is this guy is the blank slate onto which. Not that he didn't do something great because he did. But he's the guy onto which we can sort of project all of our pent up, built up uh, desire for something good and for not only something good, but for somebody good. And I mean, I look. It must be said at this point that I. I think we can we can see that already some of the. Um, some of the glow is starting uh, to diminish around our friend Barack Obama. Uh, not he's a bad guy, but just because now he's not he's not running for anything anymore. He's got to run. He's got to run the whole joint. And right. you know, he's already having to say like, look, uh, all that all that jazz I was talking about during the uh, during the campaign. That's that's either not going to happen or it's going to happen a, like a lot longer from now than you thought it was. Like it's going to take forever. So right. this guy though is you know he is the person on to which. You know, we can sort of put all of our desires for some some person to come out and do something that is indisputably, unimpeachably good. So, I mean, there were so many opportunities for this to go wrong, too. I heard one of our airline experts, a former pilot, talking about if, if the angle is just slightly off and the engines hit the water before the rear part of the fuselage did, right. the, the force of that could have potentially caused the plane to nosedive into the river Maybe even go end over nose and then just go down uh, like immediately. Uh, yeah. Uh, hey, uh, just a, a quick note here before we wrap this up. What is it? Maybe they've already gotten the plane out of the water or whatever. But it, what is it? How do you get a? How do you, how do you get a plane out of the Hudson River? They um, they've called in um, a flat barge uh, from some sort of salvaging company, and there is a massive uh, crane on a barge as well. Uh, that is just standing by and waiting for the NTSB to give the go-ahead to, to lift this thing out. But there's a lot of concern now because, you know, its uh, wings are filled with fuel, uh, you know, enough to get it to Charlotte plus uh, an hour's reserve. Uh, and th- there's all sorts of concerns about, uh, you know, how do you bring this thing up without uh, damaging it further because they'd like to have it uh, in as good a condition as possible in order to examine it. But then we got a report today that the left engine is missing, and that's the that's the one they want to examine. So now they're going to go uh, scouring the Hudson River with sonar looking for this engine. Who is this poor soul that has to put on a wetsuit and dive into the Hudson River? Did you see the pictures of uh, the uh, – first of all, not just dive in the Hudson River, but uh, although the Hudson River – I don't know if you remember a story a couple of years ago, but they were talking about putting uh, uh, swimming platforms like out in the uh, floating, uh, you know, wood – floating uh, islands out there and then having some swimming in the Hudson River because it's so clean again now. Um, they, they've really cleaned it up uh, a, a lot over the last uh, 10 years. But um, uh, I, don't, uh, I don't know if you saw the footage of these guys jumping off the helicopter in their, uh, in their frogman outfits, you know, to, to aid the rescue. But, the, you know, the water was 38 degrees oh, yesterday. Yeah, that is what, no good. When I drove into work, I noticed that there were some small, like, ice flows making their way down the Hudson River from further north. That's By the how way, cold the water was. Two, two final notes that will break here. I do, uh, I have, you'll never guess. I have a great idea for a story. But before that, 
I want to say I saw the most American image, though. I was, uh, this is, I think, on CNN or maybe on CNN.com, I forget, but there was a still photo, and it was showing the plane in the water, and then there's the wing, and then you see, you know, all the passengers out there kind of just standing there like, well, this sucks, like waiting for the boat. There was the most American image. It was a guy in, um, you could just tell it was a business outfit. It was like a guy in, like, the, the white shirt, black tie, gray suit, and holding his briefcase, balancing on the wing. I mean, it really was just like, no, 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 not without my laptop. I mean, I know the plane oh. is sinking, and I'm in the middle of a river, and oh, yeah, we just crashed. Hold on a second. got to grab my PowerPoint presentation. And so it's the guy balancing on the wing. Like, it looked like it was something straight out of the Broadway run of Glengarry Glen Ross. It was like a guy balancing on a tightrope with a briefcase. So, oh, that's funny. All right, final, final observation. You were talking about how the Hudson River is a lot cleaner than everybody sort of, certainly than I think it is, because you always, you know, you just sort of hear all these jokes about, like, you know, it's like talking about the rats in New York and whatever, and all these, you know, cliches, and one of them is that the Hudson River is just disgusting and filthy. And Sarah made an observation yesterday. She made kind of a hat, like an offhand joke yesterday about crashing into the Hudson River, the bottom of which is littered with mafia stool pigeons. And so, Ooh. and so, but see, here's a question that I have. Like, is that really the case? Because we, everybody knows the image of the guy getting, wait for it, the concrete shoes, and the, and the concrete shoes is where they would get like a little like a like a wash tub, and they would stick a guy in there, and they'd fill it with cement until it hardened, and they're like, okay, this is what you know. Frankie the Knuckles says goodbye, bam, and then they kick the guy off the dock, and the concrete takes him down, and he drowns, and whatever. Um, so my question is, did that ever really happen? Like, is the concrete oh. shoes into the river a thing that has any basis in reality or historic fact? I don't know if that's a if that's a, a figment of Hollywood's imagination or if it really did happen. See, uh, but mean, now you're interested, aren't you? Yeah, I am. But uh, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's real. I mean, that had to come from somewhere. Uh, it had to happen at some. So point. So then, okay, but then so see, but there, see, here's the that's how I lure you in, Steve. But then here's the follow up. So if that is true, doesn't that mean that at the bottom of the Hudson River there's just a bunch of like concrete filled wash tubs, like like bones sticking out of them? It's possible. However, at some point, uh, the, the current causes all that stuff that's down there to move around, and uh, concrete, uh, you know, that small size of concrete is going to get worn away at some point, and, and uh, the, the body uh, decomposes. Well, all right. Well, fair enough. Also, also, I would venture to guess that the majority of body dumping was actually going on uh, on the East River and along the Brooklyn and Queens uh, uh, water uh Coastline. I'm going to point uh, out how great it is, yeah. by the way, that you just automatically knew, just like by gut sense, what area of the river would be best for body dumping. Oh yeah, yeah. You want well, there's a place called Hell's Gate. I mean, what better place than that to, to dump somebody in the river after you've done them in? <laughs> duly, no, duly noted. I'm going to file that away under things I might someday need. Uh, <laughs> all right, sir. Uh, well, you have a happy weekend, and uh, we will talk to you uh, next week. So until then, uh, enjoy your afternoon, your Saturday, your Sunday. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Thank Take care. you, Steve Kathan. All right. Hello, Sir. I wanted to do my worst story ever, but. No, we have to break. Well, that's too bad. Yeah. All right. We'll uh, do it on the other side. Hey, real quickly, as we're breaking, let me tell you this. Be sure to tune in this Sunday night uh, to Musicology, 7 to 9 p.m. Uh, they're going to be talking to Michael Ian Black and Michael Showalter of MTV's The State, Comedy Central's Viva Variety, and Sketch Comedy Troupe Stella. Uh, the con- this is from Adam. This Congress of Intellects is sure to titillate and gratify all who listen. Uh, they're also going to talk about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductions, etc., etc., so on and so forth. That is Musicology, 7 to 9 p.m., Sunday night, right here on AM 970 The Talker. Back after this, don't go anywhere. Lee Rick Emerson, radio program. It's 503 733 
733-2970 still to come today. Scott Daly from, I guess it's just called Geek in the City Radio now. Yeah. All right. Is it? Yes. Right. Yes. We're already, by the way, taking a, like over-under bets on how long Scott will be in the studio before he looks over at Lisa and says, you know, if you ever need to get a new movie or anything, I can I can put you on the list. I am Scott Daly. Uh, so that will be. I, I don't know if you know, but I'm famous. I am famous. I'm Scott Daly. He actually said that to somebody. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all very awkward. Who did he say that to? Uh, some girl. I, mean, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know, but I know the answer is a woman. I mean, that's like that's a given. That's a mad lib you can do without really. I don't know if the story is even true anymore, but the legend so far, as it's been told to me, is that he told it to a stripper. Really? Well, you know what? All is forgiven Mid-dance. because he's bringing in a sham wow today too. He got, me, he got me a ShamWow for my birthday. He but, did? Yes. By the way, we should say uh, join in the studio now by uh, Corden Fatboy from Hello. Rock 101 KUFO. So we'll talk Battlestar Galactica here in a second. Yeah. Okay. So he's bringing in a ShamWow today. He's bringing in a ShamWow. All right. So we got to find, uh, like, maybe go in the kitchen at some point, like, yes. and spill something and have him, like, you know, have Richie. Clean it up. Oh, but I really want to. I've never seen one. In what? I don't, it doesn't matter to me. I don't okay. care. I'm just saying, like, we don't do it in here, so we'll find. I don't know, go in, the, uh, go in the kitchen and have it, see if it absorbs. What do they say? Is it 10 times its own weight in water? 20. 20. 20. You sure about that? Pretty sure. I mean, answer me this. I, I, I've only seen the commercials in the last, like, maybe three weeks. Yeah. Has it gone from, you know, just the last three weeks to world famous? Nuclear. Now I'm hearing about it every It's week. exponential. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's like the head-on thing. Yeah. Apply yeah. directly to the forehead. Be- the same sort of Because thing. here's the thing is, like, with my, um, my email settings are such that when I get junk mail, because there's like, you know, you set up your email, like, what do you want us to do with junk mail? And there's the option of just send it directly to trash or whatever. And I don't. What I do is I set it up so it flags all of it. It marks it as a specific color so yeah. I can look at it. But I keep it all because I look at it. Because, I mean, really, the, it's like reading tea leaves or something. Or yeah. like, uh, you know, like that thing in the zoo where they look at the ant, they look at the waste and go, well, here's what's going on yeah. with this creature. That is like looking at the waste of society. It is really, it is like, it is examining the electronic fecal matter of our world. <laughs> and so I look through all of my spam just to see what's in there. And I got to tell you, there went from like, I would get like one ShamWow junk mail, uh, you know, maybe every couple of days to like 50 a day. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's omnipresent now. So it is, uh, it's the cultural, uh, it's the zeitgeist at work. And is it, is it all that guy? Is that that pitch man guy? Because I've seen him. Vince Offer. Vince Offer. Yeah. yeah. I've seen him. He's done two commercials now. One for that and Slap one for another shot. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the nut shot. You're going to love my nuts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and that's that's a product that's been around forever. For, for like 40 years. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I had one of those 20 years ago. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, is this guy... How do you know him other than by these commercials? Is we don't. Well, I mean, we sort no? of... Uh, I mean, he's a com- he, you know, he's a comedian, um, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, and, of sorts. I don't really know if he does, like, stand-up or whatever. But we were noting that he looks a lot like our former colleague, Tim Savage, um, but, uh. but, like, kind of creepier. Yes. Like if he'd been living on the streets for about three years. Yeah, and he's got this weird... Sarah found this photo of him, and I guess, was it on his Wikipedia page? Mm -hmm. And it was the photo of the, I'm looking through your window with a bone saw. (laughs) I mean, it was unbelievable. It was the, like, I'm going to cut out your heart while you sleep look. She'll find it. He doesn't look stable yet. Yeah, it's it's unbelievably uh, weird. What did you think he looked the McDonald's moon head? He looked like the Mac 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 Tonight Tonight guy, because his forehead is way back, and then his head slopes down, and then his chin juts out, and it looks like a kind of a crescent moon covered in skin. You know you know who else looks like that? Um, that chick from Alias, Jennifer Garner. If you photograph totally. her from the right angle, she looks like the Mac Tonight chick. Here's the thing about Jennifer Garner. Yeah? She's not very attractive, in my opinion. I'm no. not saying she's ugly, but I don't find her to be... 
She's not all that. She's I don't... one of those that there's a, a very specific angle in, with which yeah. to look at her. If you look at her any other you angle. You get her in the wrong light. Yeah, it's it's wrong. No, but there's no, a one angle where no, she's no. kind of hot. Bad, bad, bad. And yeah. people try to make that excuse for Kirsten Dunst, too, but I'm like, the wrong light is every light. You know, where you like, can see her. Yeah, it looks like someone smashed a basketball into Skeletor's face or something, you know. Oh, the uh, Kirsten Dunst, and here's the other thing about my final note about nothing in particular, but Kirsten Dunst is, it's not helped by the fact that you can just the camera just can't hide the fact that she's obviously a horrible person. I mean, that's... <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, look, Sarah knows. Sarah agrees with me. That's oh, yeah. the thing. Like, she's just, she's just a... She's just a she's just a You can totally tell. Yeah. She just seems awful. I'd be like unhappy, she's... too, if I had that face hanging off of my neck. That's <laughs> awful. I would be very sad and upset with life. You know what? That girl got to have sex with Jake Gyllenhaal. You know she didn't like it, though. And neither did she. didn't like it. You yeah. mean just because she's an, oh, because she's just, an unpleasant right, person? Yeah. Look at the ShamWow guy. <laughs> that does sort of look yeah. like Tim Zedder. Yeah, no, that's a whole, like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and I'm going to dress in this your skin. This has chloroform on it right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just really quickly on the Scott Daly thing, and then we'll talk about Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. The, the story, uh, as I understand it, and, and I think I was there when it purportedly happened it was at Aaron's bachelor party yeah. which was at a uh, at a local uh, nude review mm. and i just strippers are around and you know, whatever guy you know guys are always i think that stripper really no she really likes me no i think she told me her real name and i do believe at some point in the night's festivities i think scott daly was heard to be talking to some girl and he's like so like well yeah you might have heard of me my name is scott daly i'm uh, I'm famous. I don't like to talk about it too much. And then, but and somebody, but of course he said it like with an earshot of Jason Crump, yeah, who was like immediately penciling it down in like a, a book to, yeah. to tell everybody. I so. think the the reason why it came up is she said something about his his voice sounded familiar or something like that, and that that's why he he threw that. He went all Tori, Mc, Tori McClure on her. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. You may have heard of me. Let's uh, talk I about do reviews on Film Fever Radio. <laughs> Battlestar Galactica, the yeah. season premiere, sort of the season premiere. But it's fi- the back ten or whatever. Yeah, the, the final, final episodes. Yep. We're uh, calling it Battlestar at the Baghdad, the final episodes. Starts tonight. Uh, we're actually running these live, so uh, I mean, we just basically hooked up a cable to the projector. You're going to be there on time. Yes, be there, be there early because uh, it's all over the tubes, uh, and everybody is talking about coming. So it, it, it's not going to sell out because it's free, uh, but we could have a, a close to capacity crowd, uh, which 600 is capacity for the bag. And the thing we want to uh, get out there is that um, this isn't like a typical uh, midnight movie crowd in that none of us have seen these episodes. So it's not right. going to be like people shouting lines out or trying to be funny. If that happens, someone's going to stab you. Oh, no, you'll be. Yeah, there'll be violence. Yeah, yeah. There, there will be violence. So, you know, be nice. It's a TV show. Um, if you know spoilers, shut up and stay yeah. away because it's going to be a pretty spoiler free. I, I mean, this is gonna, when we showed Firefly at the mission. I mean, mm-hmm. you were with us on that yeah. one, weren't you? Yeah. And uh, when we showed Firefly at the mission, that, w- that was a very cool crowd. Yeah. I mean, very, very nice. And uh, the well, they were respectful for the yeah. experience. Exactly. They knew what they were there for, and they were trying to enjoy it. They weren't trying to get hammered and then you know shout out lines and be a comedian. They were just there to watch the show. And I think that's what we're going to get here. So if you're yeah. worried about a, a, a sort of a uncomfortable atmosphere. You know, hipsters slamming paps and then trying to be, be a little rowdy sometimes. Right at the midnight movies, I don't think that's going to happen. But here. tonight will be different. I, and I agree with you on that. Well, we, we've shown, uh, I think it was the premiere of season three before one of right. our midnight No, it was season four. Was it season four? Yeah, season yeah. four has been uh, put up that long, oh, and we've geez. had to wait yeah. that um, long. So, but it, it, that was that was silent reverence when yeah. when the show was on. Even the people who never even seen the, the the show before knew 
they're in a crowd full of people who love the crap out of that show. Actually, no, there was there was uh, two people up in the balcony that were talking, and um, they were beaten savagely. They weren't actually beaten savagely. I actually I went up to go talk to them, and I was just, I was just striding, and I'm hearing the Battlestar music, and I'm just striding towards them, and I turn around behind me, and two dudes had gotten up and followed me up there, like as my backup. I didn't even know what had happened. They were gonna hold them down while you. The six three dude who I found out later was like a kickboxer. Excellent. Yeah, so it was pretty. So that's that's the sort of. Gonna happen to well, you and I have remained yeah. spoiler-free. I didn't even read, like, I don't know, ain't it cool, uh, like, Herc was like, five stars, yeah. the, the following great, and I'm like, close, I didn't want to know anything about it, yeah. so yeah, I will no, be there tonight. Herc was on our show last night, uh, yeah, and uh, he, uh, he, he said it was fantastic, it was uh, everything that you'd want, um, and a lot of stuff happens in the first 15 minutes. That's the that's when I stopped reading the review, and he's like, in the first 10 minutes, there are such staggering revelations of, like, okay, yeah. I don't want to know, I'm going to go in totally blank, so uh, so that is tonight, but get there, it's at 10, but get there early yeah. uh, at the Baghdad. Uh, uh, for the uh, the premiere of the Back Ten, the final episodes mm-hmm. of Battlestar Galactica. Yes. So, all right, Court and Fatboy Rock on a one K UFO. Thank right. you, good sirs. Thank, Thank you. you. All right, there you go. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Later on, Scott Daly will be here. We'll have uh, more news with Lisa Hughes. Hello, Lisa Hughes. How's it going? How are you feeling about today's appearance? I love it. On I'm a scale a of time. one to ten, how would you feel about? Scale of one to ten. How would you feel about today's appearance so far? Uh, Eleven. See, that's what I'm saying. That's very stupid of you. All right. We still haven't gotten to my story. Okay, so here's the thing. I know it might have been, like, blown out of proportion now, but when I read this this morning, it was, like, awful. So here's... So let me just... So I think it might be a contender. So Sarah is clutching this piece of paper in her hand like it was a life raft uh, in the middle of the Atlantic. And the, the last... We do this ongoing bit, Lisa, called uh, the... Uh, it's the worst story in the history of the world. Okay. Where we'll find two awful stories. Like, one about a guy who's, like, impaled on a pogo stick or whatever. Right. And another one about a guy who's, like, eaten alive by rodents. And then we'll read them both, and then the audience will vote on which one is worse. Okay. And then that one goes forward to challenge another story the next week. And so our goal is to find the worst story in the history of the world. I think this one tops. Well, we had this story the other day about a guy eating an eyeball. Oh. And, you know, which is bad, but not like we've done way worse. But Sarah, it, but, it's... But you, you let's say eating an eyeball, but he ripped out his own eyeball and ate it. Gross. And yes. see, okay. and he, and it struck a particular chord with Sarah for some reason, and she just found There's the whole thing... a lot of people. I don't... Ugh. I'm just saying you found it exceptionally revolting. Things with eyes kind of gross me out. And yeah. but we but I forget why, but it, it got read a couple times over a couple days, and I can see Sarah's like loathing uh, and resentment grow, growing with every read. So Sarah came in this morning, and I went to the studio, and, and she says, "I've got the best story ever, and by best I mean worst, and by worst I mean you'll hate it." And I said, "What?" And she goes. And you opened your mouth to describe it, and then I could see that you you were having a little debate in your head about whether you should even describe, give the overview of the story, and then you decided not to. So I don't know anything about this story that you're going to read. I don't know anything about it. I don't know what it involves. I don't know. I don't know where the story comes from. So. Yeah, I just reread it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's, so it's pretty damn so good. So how do you feel about this story as compared to some of the other stories? I had? think I want to submit it. You know what? I might fail, but at least I tried. So do you want to do this? Do you want to read this story, and then we'll put it up against the insect one and vote? Well, why don't you read the insect story first? Well, because uh, how do we do? We read the champion first read, or the yeah, challenger? Yeah, we usually read the champion and the challenger. All right. Challenger. Do we have the music? We sure do. All right. Hold on. Let me find it. All right. All right. All right, but not the long, drawn-out version. Let's just. Well, I'm just gonna. This will be my first time hearing yes. the insect story. I gotta be, but so I gotta be. Gonna, so she can assess it. Right. Too. But I gotta be fair. I can't edit the story, so I will just. Uh, it's not that long. It's. Uh, all right. All right. So here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen. I will read the champion story, and then we will read. And are you gonna read it? Yeah. Then we'll read Sarah's challenging story. As soon as the second story is done, 
Call 503-733-2970. We'll take your votes and determine what is the worst story in the history of the universe. Uh, so as soon as the second story is done, you call to vote. Uh, without further ado, here is story number one and the current champion. It's the worst story in the history of the world. Dave Land London, a man who lived in his own zoo of lizards and insects, was fatally bitten by a pet black widow spider, then eaten alive by the other creatures. Police broke into Mark Vogel's apartment to find spider Batina, along with 200 others, several snakes, a gecko lizard named Helmet, and several thousand termites had all gorged on the man's body. Neighbors alerted police after becoming alarmed by the stink, and horrified officers were met by a nightmare scene. It's all worth it for the look on Lisa's face right now. <laughs> a police spokesman said it was like a horror movie. His corpse was over the sofa. Giant webs were draped over him. Spiders were all over him. They were coming out of his nose and mouth. There was everything one could imagine in the world of reptiles. Larger pieces of his body had been torn off by the lizards and had been taken back to the webs of tarantulas and other bird-eating spiders. Uh, loner Vogel, age 30, never invited people back to his jungle home, a small apartment in the German city of Dortmund. Police described it as a cross between a botanical garden and the butterfly breeding ground of the serial killer in the movie Silence of the Lambs. One tarantula had built a nest the size of a swallow's in the corner of the ceiling. Vogel also had a boa constrictor and several poisonous frogs from South America. Spider expert and animal cruelty officer Gabby Bayer said he kept creatures that should never be allowed in the private home. They were the equivalent of a pit bull in the animal world. His reptiles were allowed to roam free in the flat. The heating element on two tanks containing spiders and their termite snacks has exploded and dislodged the metal tops, allowing them to escape. Vogel is thought to have been dead for between 7 and 14 days. All right, there you go. That's story number one, and that is the current champion, by the way, in our search for the worst story in the history of the world. What do you think about that, Lisa? That's pretty disgusting. It's pretty yeah, awful. That's a... It's it's a contender, but it's I so think... bad that that defeated the story about the guy eating the eyeballs. So yeah. you know, yeah. all right. Okay. Sarah Dillon, are you going to be reading story number two? Yes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I give you the challenger for it's the worst story <clears throat> in the history of the world. This is Sarah Dillon. Oh, the pressure! Stunned doctors. Discovered a woman complaining of a stomach ache. Had been carrying her unborn child for 60 years. Oh, that's not right. Huang Yijin, 92, of southern China, was told by medics in 1948 that her child had died in the womb. Doctors demanded 100 pounds to remove it, so she walked away. She said, it was a huge sum for me at the time, more than the whole family earned in several years, so I did nothing and ignored it. But the secret emerged when Wang hurt her stomach and went to the hospital for a scan. Dr. Liu said, I couldn't believe my eyes when I discovered she had a baby in her belly. Now medics are carrying out further tests to see if she needs an operation to remove the baby. A consultant, uh, the director of obstetrics and the gynecology department at the hospital said, normally a dead fetus would decay. It's very rare that she should be so healthy. I'm unclear about... But I mean, Sun doctors discovered a woman complaining of stomach pains had been carrying her unborn child for 60 years. There's a picture, too. Do you want to see a picture? More than anything. Oh, wow. So she still looks pregnant. She's still got the pregnant belly. How old is she? 92. 
And she's still got the pregnant belly. That alone. She's been, she's, she's been carrying around the baby and okay, her stomach it, for 60 okay, years. But I mean, but is, it, is it like petrified or something? Or is it just... They said it still looks like a fetus. How is it that it hasn't decayed? That's what it said. That's what they're doing. Normally a dead fetus would decay. It's very rare that she should be so healthy. Well, there you go. The phone number is 503-733-2970. That is the challenging story. So story number one, man devoured by his own insect collection. Story number two, woman carries dead baby inside her for 60 years. It's amazing that anybody ever comes to do the news on this show. It's 503-733-2970. We will get your votes on the other side of this. A commercial break from one of our many, many, many paid advertisers. Back after this. Don't go anywhere. even occur to me. You are so much worse than me. I'm... The carpool lane? She is... T- it is technically two people. Well, then who am I to think, like... If you this is what... Attached- just, this is just Sarah. Do you suppose she named the dead baby? Why would she not have named it if she's carrying it around with her since she was 30? I care... I- I'm carrying around my fingers. I haven't named Men them. Men carry around their penises and name them all the time. <laughs> well, it's true. <laughs> wow, that's funny. Lisa, just without any hesitation at all, that's true. No, it's completely true. Is it really? Yes. Have you known men that named their members? Yes. What, give me, you don't have to name the guy. Give me one of the, uh, if, you, if it's safe for air, uh, give me one of the names for the member. You know, it's been so long. I, I blocked out some parts of my life. Is this because your parents are listening now? You're going to opt not to tell me the name? <laughs> no. <laughs> Literally, like my, like my first marriage, I kind of blocked it out, so. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> have you been married once? Twice. And divorced twice. All right. But the first marriage you're blocking out. The yeah. second one, not so much. Second one, okay? The uh, second one was, yeah, not too bad. All right. The first guy, though, he uh, he had a name for it? Yes. <laughs> the, like the contempt the contempt on your face is so great and clear, by the way. the I can just tell the, he was such a child. That's what that expression says. All right. Uh, so here, this is now the voting segment of our hunt for the worst story in the history of the world. So to recap... Did she name it? This is so. So well, I wonder if she named the baby. I mean, what, what is she gonna do? Like take a little like a what is like a wallet photo well, of I mean, like the X-ray? Like you look at the picture and she's obviously. Have I shown you my little Alice? Wait, no, hold on. That's her. It's... I mean, she's like pretty far along. Like it's like a globe there. So, but it hadn't decomposed. This no, is the it hadn't... worst conversation we've All ever right, had. So why don't we why don't we recap our stories and then I was picturing just like like a like a like no, a, a full fetus, like a bunch of bones or something. All right. Well, in any event, and then I just said maybe she can take the carpool lane now. Which is, like, not so so out of the question. So, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for uh, voting on it's the uh, worst story in the history of the universe. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, already some votes on the line. We'll get to them in just a second. It's 503-733-2970. So the champion story, a man who lived in his own zoo of lizards and insects was fatally bitten by a pet black widow spider, then devoured by... Several snakes, a lizard, and several thousand termites who gorged on his body. That is the uh, that's the champion story. That's story number one. What is story number two and the challenger? Contender. Stunned doctors discover a woman complaining of stomach pains had been carrying her unborn child for 60 years. She was told that her by medics in 1948 that her child had died in the womb. Consultants say normally a dead fetus would decay. It's very rare that she can be so healthy and have a dead fetus inside of her. You know, they often say that mothers are eating for two. Now they can both get that senior plate at Denny's. <laughs> Zam! Zam! All right, yeah. let's go to the phones. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, which story do you find to be the worst, sir, or matters of the case may be? I'm going to go with the uh, German Zoo of Death. All right. 
but I was going to say that they actually just had a program on uh, TLC about a lady with a similar situation, and this baby was covered in like layers upon layers of calcium to protect the body of the woman, not the baby. Uh, okay. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. I'm out. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Which story did you find to be the worst? Uh, number one. All right. Excellent. All right. Thank, Thank you. you, sir. All right. It's 503 uh, Does Lisa's a... vote count? Because she said that mine was worse. Yeah, definitely. All right. So we'll count. No, we'll count that. Maybe it's a uterus thing. Uh, higher sure, on the... Insects uh, are more of like a boy thing. I'm just... Well, though, when insects... Look, that could happen. I mean, you know what I mean? If I were to keel over, somehow insects could come attack me. Yeah, us. but you're not keeping like a bunch of exotic ones in a small apartment. No, but I'm never, ever, ever going to keep a baby in my stomach. So. Well, you don't know what kind of insects Rick has in That's true. Uh, hello, which, which story do you find to be worse, sir? Oh, God, I find the second one completely inconceivable. That's not a vote. That's a vote for the second? Well, the, the worst, yeah, the second one was much worse. All right. Maybe in the yeah. one kid that won't move out. Yeah. A kid that won't move out. All right, thank you. We're done. We're done. We're done. No, we're done. He just stays in his womb all day and doesn't play with anybody. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, which story do you find to be worse? Um, yeah. All right. So which of the of these two, which do you find to be worse, sir? No. Right. no yeah. All right. That's great. So much. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Which story do you find to be worse? I'll stick with the lizard one. No lizard one. All right. Excellent. I Thank you. I also want to put a word out there and say hi to Bergie. Listening. All right. Bergie? All right. Okay, thank you. <laughs> That's my father's name. 503, really? Yeah. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, hello? Um, hi, yes. Hi, yes. Hey, can you do me a favor? Can you turn your radio up louder? Turn it up as loud as it'll go. Turn it up as loud as it'll go. Yeah. Turn it up. All right, um, it's... I have to say the bug. Yes. What? Because it's getting eaten alive. That would suck. It would indeed suck. All right, I'm going to put you down for the uh, the straight bug vote. Yeah. All right, thank you for listening. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. All right. Woo. Uh-huh. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Which story do you find to be worse? Yeah, something in the apartment took John Lee. Uh, still number one. <laughs> All right. Done and done. All right. Thank you. Uh, hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. Which story do you find to be worse? Number two, easily, because she had to live with that knowledge that this thing was inside her for 60 years. But she was obviously okay with it. Well, in as much as anybody crazy could be you know, okay with that, I mean, ugh. Okay. okay. <laughs> number two, number two, number two, number two. All right. Thank you. Thanks so much. Uh, we'll do like another bank or something. I did. Okay. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Which story do you find to be worse? Definitely number two. We yeah. just had a child three weeks ago. Oh, see, so you're biased. That's yeah, the, yeah. You've totally got that. This is like how uh, guys, with, a vote. guys with kids suddenly think that they need to put kids in all their movies. All right, yeah. well, whatever. All right, yeah, we'll still count it. All right, thank you, sir. Congratulations. All right, fine, whatever. No courtesy anymore. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Which story do you find to be worse? I'm going to have to go with the first one. Uh-huh. Uh, Spiders coming out of your nose and mouth, that's that's pretty gnarly. Yeah, it's no good. I mean, that's no way you... You don't want to end your existence with spiders coming out of your mouth. I mean, that's and, just a... You know, that's not how you want to be remembered. And lizards taking away your body parts and That's the other away. thing. I mean, look, I mean, uh, you know, look, so the woman looked pregnant and had a dead baby in her. I mean, look, I mean, you know, at least she had her health, kind of. But he was dead. <laughs> this stuff was happening well, when he was dead. He yeah, but she had it. her health. I. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, there you go. 
Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, which story do you find to be the worst? Well, I, after just getting done reading uh, World War Z, I would say the second one. All right. Wait, why? Why? Yeah. What is World War Z, which is a zombie novel? What does that have to do with this? The baby might come back. Ah, uh, so you think this, this child might be the patient so zero when, of the zombie maybe apocalypse. Maybe when she dies, the baby will be resurrected. All right. I think you've got a win-win here. Okay. Thank you so much. Best audience ever. Three more, then we're done. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Which story do you find to be the worst? <sighs> story number one is way worse. All right, excellent. All right, thank you, sir. You bet. All right, all right thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Which story do you find to be the worst? Number two. Number two. Excellent. Done and done. All right, Thank Sarah you. Dillon. I thought we had one more. No, no, no. There, all right, one more. This is the final one. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Which story do you find to be the worst? Number two. Yes. All right. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Hmm. We do, in fact, have a tie. Oh, oh so yeah. I think we should take one more well, caller, and that should, you know. See, Maybe we should do it again on Monday. I was going to say, I see, here's the only reason, Lisa. The uh, I wish to be deferential to a guest, but I don't think so, because here's the thing is now people will be, you know, I don't want to influence their vote. Uh, so we have a straight tie here between the two. All right, so well, we'll read them both again next week. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right, there you go. That's the, uh, really, oh, my God, there really yeah. is a tie. All right, there you go. And we're done. Hello, Lisa. How's it going? Oh, you know. All right, Richie, can you uh, let these folks know that we have uh, we have uh, we've ended today's voting session? We're just going to have to uh, we have to have to read these both again on Monday. So look forward to that this weekend. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Let's do this, there. Let's do a few news stories. We'll take a break. We'll come back with Scott Daly uh, from Geek in the City Radio and uh, more. He's got the, some updates about the about that uh, you know the, the, the Geek in the City, about the radio. He's got a top five as well. But in the meantime, here's Lisa Hughes with the news. All right, so we're looking at this uh, suspect who wrote on Facebook. A uh, Salford man posted, I don't know where Salford is, uh, posted a message on his Facebook wall saying he felt like killing someone uh, hours before stabbing a man to death in a crowded bar. Um, Leon Craig Ramsden, who's 19 years old, stabbed Paul Gilligan, 31, while he was drinking a uh, in Pepper Alley Bar in Boston last July. Now, did he say, so this is on the, his Facebook page where he said, he. what did he say? I feel like killing. Yeah, he actually said, uh, I feel like killing someone and I need to I need to stay off the hard stuff. Ha, effing. It's a Saturday. Ha. So, that's okay, crazy. then. <laughs> By the way, I have to ask this. Did he did he write killing or killing? Uh, he wrote uh, killing. Uh, fantastic. Yeah. So I like a guy who knows how to write phonetically. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> I feel like killing. And then he had to stay up the hard step, but then clearly didn't. And yeah, no. The stabbing. And then, Is the guy dead? The other guy he stabbed? Uh, I believe he did, yes. Uh, well, yeah. mission accomplished, I guess. Yeah, I, Gilligan's gone. So. And we have a lot of stabbing stories today. But check that off in your planner, I suppose. All right. right. Uh, there you go. Here. Okay, so here's, here's a great story for all of you 80s. Boy George fans. <laughs> um, he, um, Boy George has been jailed for 15 months now for handcuffing a male escort to a wall and beating him with a metal chain. Jeez. Yeah. Former, uh, it says that he was imprisoned um, during a drug-fueled naked photo shoot at his flat in East London, sentencing the musician. Um, the, judge court, uh, the judge in the court said that he was guilty of gratuitous violence. And uh, it was premeditating, 
so yeah, he was hitting him with chains. So was this guy? He was a male. Was he a male prostitute? And he was a male. Uh, he probably was, or his buddy. I mean, it seems like you're, <laughs> or his pal. Uh, it seems like if you're, if you're, I mean, you know, he had a lot of like chart, you know, like hit singles or anything recently. But I know that in London, Boy George was still a kind of a big fixture because he's on the club scene because he was right. a DJ and he had a kind of a good second career as a DJ going on there. So yeah, he must have some amount of money. It seems like if you have money and you're a celebrity. Look, if really your thing is you want to beat a guy with a chain, you can probably find somebody who's into that sort of a thing. I mean... Absolutely. And, and the guy probably maybe was, but maybe just not to the extent that Boy <laughs> George beat him. No, no, no. Only, uh, look, uh, I, I only want to be hit nine times uh, with the chain. And only from here to here, not so much here. Or maybe it was the size of the chain right. they disagreed on. So, boy, what a... I mean... What a strange way. I was talking about how a bad way to end your life is like having your body eaten by termites. You know, a strange, a strange way to end your night is locked up in an apartment, tethered to a wall, being beaten with a chain by Boy George. Yeah. I don't really know that that's like when you get up in the morning, you ever really see that that is going to be the conclusion of the day's events. Right. <laughs> Good God almighty. And here's the thing about Boy George. He looks bad, by the way. Oh, he looks I horrible. Mean, and he has like that weird back head tattoo thing now. I am not with that. No, I don't understand that. I used to be on Team Boy George, not not too much. Team either. Boy George, not too much Team Edward or, or Team Jacob, but Team Boy George. Exactly. Um, the, let me ask you this: leaving aside what we might call intimate or swimsuit areas, where's the worst place to get tattooed, pain-wise? Do you have any tattoos, Lisa? I have none. No right. one. Um, I've heard that it's on the feet or like right underneath this area, like in the very thin skin under your arms. So is that all about armpit? where there's? Is it is it all about where the, there's the least? I can tell you, it felt like white hot fire when I got my wrist tattooed. <laughs> white hot fire. Seriously, it felt like someone was like had heated up a razor blade and was slowly dragging it along my wrist. Is it all about? I don't even know if it's like fat or muscle, but it, you know, you know what I mean. Is it all about like the thinness between your epidermis and the bone? I like, would think so. I mean, because my skin's so thin there, and then it was just like right on the vein. It's just yeah, yeah so all those tendons and everything are right there. Like that tattoo in the back of the head just seems like it must be insanely bad. I mean, unless you're smacked out of your mind, which I guess probably helps, but. Did you ever watch that Behind the Music on Culture Club and Boy George, which I think, even now, I think that thing's like 10 years old. I think it was from like 97, 98. Right. And it's it's great when you go back and you watch those Behind the Music for people who have subsequently fallen off the wagon and stayed off the wagon. Um, because they're interviewing Boy George, and he's talking about, well, then I knew I had to get off drugs when whatever. And they're showing him, they're showing him like when he bottoms out, right? You know, it's like, but then came the day that Boy George knew things had gone too far. And they show whatever where he's being interviewed and he looks all bad. And then they show him now, and he's like, so now I've cleaned up, and I realize that being clean and sober is the way I've got to be. And then the, and then they end with the hopeful look into the future. Boy George looks forward to a life continuing, you know, his sobriety. and emotionally making... picking up garbage on the side of the road in his orange jumpsuit. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Having battled his demons, he looks forward to doing what he loves the most, making music. But then you, like, fast forward to now. Right. Where he looks like... He looks like, if you've ever seen those photos of, what's his name, Sid Barrett from Pink Floyd toward the end of his life, where he just looks like Uncle Fester if you were force-feeding him pork chops all year, and then just let him loose, like, without any pants. He looks like I mean, his grandpa. I mean, he yeah. looks bad. He's horrible. Boy, George looks real bad. All right, um, let's do a, a couple more here, that we'll take a break. Here's Lisa Hughes. Okay, so uh, a Fort Pierce woman allegedly used part of a tampon to snort cocaine. Uh, yeah, so she uh, was arrested after sheriff's investigators found some of the powdery drug along with marijuana in her vehicle, according to a recently released arrest. So, I don't understand. She used a what? She used part of a tampon to snort cocaine. What? What part? Like the... Yeah, she must have, you know, like the, the applicator part? Yeah, yeah, like must have been like the cardboard part or plastic, I guess, depending on... I'm a guy, so I don't really know... Okay, let me... 
That's I, kind of big, uh, you know. I mean, that's that's a. Can I just tell you this? I don't, uh, I, and I will not. I don't. I'm not going to work blue here because, of course, we're a clean program. Right. But um, can I just tell you this as a guy, growing up as a guy, you know, especially before TiVo, uh, you know, you you, you, know, you would just kind of see, you know, you would you see every single commercial, and you know, because you never knew, and of course, you didn't know how long the commercial break was before you work in broadcasting. You know, the stop set is of a given length or whatever, and so you never know, and so you're like, well, I better sit on the couch and watch the whole thing. I don't want to miss the beginning of the program. And depending on the show, you would have all these ads for things like feminine hygiene products, where for some reason, like, I don't know when the vote was taken, and they decided that blue water was the thing that is going to be used to depict all fluids everywhere. Because, like, whatever, like... Well, there's nothing out of you, you know, that comes out of you is blue. Like, stay-free patch, or, like, baby diapers, or, like, watch this, and it's, like, blue water, you know, and, like, that, I guess, is... And so it was a kid going, really? I guess women are full of blue water. It's the strangest thing. But then you would see these ads... The two things I remember about seeing ads for feminine hygiene products, apart from the blue water, are this. I remember, no, there's three things, actually. There's the infamous and people of my generation, which I guess, at least you and I are the same generation, where the woman says, Mom, did you ever have a not-so-fresh feeling? Oh, yeah. And I mean, which has now become a punchline, but I remember watching that going, I don't know what that means. Right? <laughs> That's interesting. I wonder what that, and I'm like 10. I'm like, I don't know. Uh, second thing is... That ad that came out in like I don't know maybe '88 or whatever, where the girl's talking about like a maxi pad or something, and she says, she says, well, and this one has wings, and these are all things that I guess made sense to women at the time, but as a boy, you're just kind of going like it just being like you already have a very tenuous grasp on what the female body is sort of like, like you don't really know. Like, it wasn't like now, kids with their internet. Like, you don't know. You don't kind of know what a woman looks like. And so, like, so this one's really great. I I, I use it. It's very effective in my body because it's got wings. And you're kind of going, Jesus, God, I I know even less about the the female body than I did when this commercial started. Why do they need wings? Jesus, I'm just going to be gay. Um, <laughs> so that, and there's the third thing. The third thing is the woman saying, and so this is much better than using a cardboard applicator. And... And is a, that's a thing, like the wings comment that is a guy, you it has it's like a total disconnect because you have no idea what that means. None. <laughs> if you lined a hundred guys up against the wall and said, "What does it mean to have a cardboard applicator?" Guys would be like, "I don't know, dude. I have no effing idea what that means." So that being said, I don't know how you'd be snorting okay, so I, t- cocaine through a tampon. So here is um, this is a lipstick found, tube. Yeah, this is like my foundation stick. Tube. Okay. So here's the top part. Right. And there's the tampon. Right. But this part opens. So this kind of is on top of this. And what you do is you push this part through mm-hmm. the top, and there's kind of like a little, like, X thing up there. Right. And it pushes the tampon through ah, yes. um, the plastic thing, and therefore getting it. Into your nose. Or the cardboard yes. applicator. Yes. 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 So cardboard or plastic, whichever you She must have had some big nostrils. You know, I don't I, know. Uh, oh, and Dude, then, they're pretty big, too. They're like, they're like that big around. And well, it depends, I guess, on the size. Maybe she's using, like, the you know, junior Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow, I've never, <laughs> I've never been more aware of my, uh, never been more aware of my, my male uh, status uh, than at this moment. <laughs> juniors, they call them juniors. Well, no, yeah, when you first, them. you know, when you first use a tampon, it's a little scary. Mm-hmm. So you know, you start off with. So it's like a training wheel tampon. Yeah, so you start off with something you know, like this size. <laughs> right, it's for the and light day. Before you know it, it's a Sarah's holding size. up. A, wait, wow. Okay, hold on. Sarah first said when you first start using a tampon. I can feel myself turning into a woman as we have this conversation. Sarah's holding up like a, a very, very thin ballpoint pen, like a paper mate. 
And Sarah said, before you know it, and she holds up the biggest magic marker. <laughs> They're not really this big, but still. But I mean, that's a... But, but, They're bigger. But one is to get you used to the process. Exactly. Right. Or for those light days, you know. Yes. See, and I don't know, but that's fine. Okay. That's another <laughs> thing married, I don't know. You know. I, I guess I do, but I mean, you know what it is? It's like you kind of know, but... You just know the general, like, here, you know how I know. Have you ever been sent to the store to buy tampons? No, no, I haven't. And not that I wouldn't do it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not one of those guys. I'm not so like, screw that. You're not, I'm not, I'm not going to get tampons. F that. I'm not that guy. But I will say that for whatever, you know, my wife, maybe maybe because she figures I would screw it up and buy the wrong kind somehow. Because right. I don't know what, like, wings are or whatever. Like, she's to, to, to Lara's credit, she has never asked me to go to the store and buy any feminine hygiene product. And again, I, you know, I would. I'm married. I'm lame. What do I care? Who am I trying to impress at this point? Uh, but she hasn't. Uh, I do hold her purse on any number of occasions. And not just her. Sarah's too. So, uh, but no. But yeah, guys have no... See, there's no corollary. No, a word like... What is it? There's no analog to that in the guy world. Like, there's no training... Yeah, we have everything happen to us. Like, we have to, like, stick things in us and, like, wear bras strapped around our ribcages okay, all day. Okay, can I ask yeah. you this question? Hey, uh, Sarah, Lisa... You have bosoms. What is a training bra? I've never known that. Is that a thing that is really real? Well, it's just yeah. kind of like, it's just all cloth, like no underwire or anything. It's kind of, yeah. Is it supposed to like, get you used to the idea of a bra? Yeah, exactly. And how to take it on and put it on, uh, put it on, take it off? Well, yeah, and you know, when girls start to develop, you just have like in little nodules. And, and the training bra makes you feel... <laughs> like a woman? You know, yeah. Like a lady? Like a lady. Yeah, like you're all grown up now. And, and so it's to kind of get you used to the process, not unlike the uh, the small tampon. Right. And then later on... All right. Then later on, uh, yeah. There's no guy. There's no like training rubber or whatever for guy. Here's a training condom. Yeah. It's made of paper. Uh, right. Well, we should take a break yeah, before we that. just before we all uh, you know have to do each other's hair or something. Uh, we'll come back after this with Scott Daly, ladies and gentlemen, uh, and other things. Okay. Back after this. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Hold on, I don't want to lose this. I don't want to lose this baby inside my stomach for yeah, 60 years. Yeah, I want to hear, um, when we bring Scott on, I want to hear what he thinks about. Hello, Scott Daly. How are you, sir? I am doing well. Did you hear our uh, worst story face-off? I did indeed, and I have to say, the spider story is still the worst. See, that's what I'm saying. I, uh, so maybe it's a uh, maybe it's a could happen to you versus not, or maybe it's a male-female thing. Yeah, and I just visited that scene from Arachnophobia with that couple who who loves Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. Oh, and, the popcorn. Uh, the popcorn. Ah. That's like, oh, bad, bad, bad. Here's the other thing. Here's and it's sort of you. You just triggered this thought. Here's the other thing. Maybe, uh, obviously, you know, if you're the guy, you can't really visualize being pregnant or having a, a baby in you or whatever. But, but, but even, but, okay, but on the other hand, obviously, I've never been in, like, some place that's overrun by, I don't know, venomous creatures or whatever. But the the thing about that, uh, the, arach- the, the the spider place, is we've seen stuff like that depicted so often in the movies, I can visualize it with no trouble. Like, yeah. the thing about the woman with the, hey, look, I've got a fetus in me for 60 years. Like, I can't even visualize it. I just kind of visualize it like a quattro thing, you know. Just popping out like, what is that? I picture Bad more news. like V, the final battle, versus <laughs> the uh, the reptile. All right, well, in any event, 
Uh, so uh, we are here with uh, Lisa Hughes, who's been handling the uh, news desk for us today and doing a splendid job as well. Thank you. Um, have you met Scott Daly? We just met. We just yes. met. I hear he's famous. Scott is famous. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's true. Bobby already cleared that up earlier, but yeah. yes, apparently that is true and famous. Now, is, is this a sham wow that you have in this, front of you? This, my friend, is the sham wow. Can I, can I, in, uh, can I hold it? Are your hands clean? Wow. Yes. Yeah, no, okay. I just <laughs> rubbed my hands. <laughs> can you say wow? <laughs> All That's right. it, right there. This is a... Um, yeah, this is just a piece of a blanket. Yes, it is. But it's a magical piece of blanket, Rick. Uh-huh. Is it as magical as it sounds? I want you know to tell you a story. You know what Ooh. this is? Uh, just real quickly, you know what this is? What? This is, if you ever uh, rented something from U-Haul and they give you those those blankets yes. to wrap your furniture yes. in, that's what this is. This is a, a piece of a U-Haul blanket. But it has the magic powers of the sham wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other day, I, I was bringing home some groceries and I had a six-pack six of beer in my bag and it dropped... And two of the bottles broke all over my linoleum in my kitchen. Mm-hmm. Pulled out the ShamWow. You you got you got to get it wet to activate it to get it working. Uh-huh. And you, you I, I got all the glass out of the first, sopped it up, wrung it out in the sink. One, two, three, completely dry. Did you I'm really clean. say one, two, three, completely dry? <laughs> did you do that at your home too? I did actually, because like oh I can use the ShamWow. At first I was pissed because I lost two beers, but then I was like well, wait I can use the ShamWow. And have you been looking? Let me ask you this, and don't lie. Have you been looking for things that have spilled just so you can? Do you like walk around the neighborhood looking for spills? Not the neighborhood. No, no, no. I'm but... here with my ShamWow. Like you secretly, <laughs> do you secretly hope that things tip over at your house so you can don't pull this fear. Out? I have the sham... Well, yeah. Well, like my daughter spills like milk or something. It's like don't worry. ShamWow. Okay, I have a prediction right now. Uh, <laughs> I am making this prediction as we speak. You mark my words. You just write this down uh, and then seal it in an envelope. And remember that Rick Emerson predicted this at 2.40 uh, p.m. Pacific Time, January 16th, 2009. Within the next, like, nine months, there's going to be an episode of a CSI or some similar show <laughs> where a guy uses this to clean up his victim's blood. Oh, gross. No, seriously. And they're going to be like, and they're going to be apparently. because they're pretty culturally re- exactly. relevant. Exactly. And they won't call it the sham wow, but they'll no, call no, it no. like the kerpow or something. Or and it'll shambles. be like, yeah. And, the, and they'll be like, well, I, is that the thing the guy sells on TV? And then the other guy will go, yeah. And then he'll like, he'll sort of act out the kid. We're like, Wish, you know, kerpow, bada bang, <laughs> or whatever. And then David Caruso will be, you know, and they, um, and then David Caruso will, uh, will say, um, wait, hold on. I'm, I've failed at this every single time. Come on, and there's already a pun with the wow. You can do there's that. Something yeah. there. Come on. Um, okay, and then David Caruso will look at the you know the area where all the blood was cleaned up by the sham wow, and David Caruso will be. The question isn't sham wow. The question is, <laughs> but how? No, that's bad. I'm doing gonna, my best. I'm not picking second one because those are but, always better. My, my, I was gonna say the question is, but sham how? Whatever. I, I'm just no, okay. So in any event, all right. So are we gonna go? Are we gonna do this? Yeah, yeah. When I, it's, I, I yep. brought it for you guys to play. All right. So, so well, I think Sarah called like it immediately. I think Sarah so called dibs on the sham wow. <laughs> all right. So uh, what? How do you want to proceed here, Sarah? Well, should we? This is a large towel, by the way. I have to say, I'm holding the sham wow in my hand, and it's... it is. I would say it's. About a foot and a half by two feet. Yeah, I, would, I mean, that's, it's, it, you know, but, but first of all, can I, can I make an observation? I think somebody emailed me to this effect earlier. They talk this, this jive about how they, you know, that it picks up 20 times its own weight in water. Yeah. This weighs nothing. This weighs no. nothing. No, exactly. So they claim that it picks up 20 times its own weight in water is effectively, I don't know, if it, true, false, it's meaningless. This weighs nothing. And by the way, is this still damp? I think you've been cleaning things with this. I've been cleaning things with <laughs> it. That feels damp. It's a little little wet All right. from water. Uh, when is the last time this was used? And uh, I used that uh, the other day for drying dishes. All right, okay. 
All right. This isn't, uh, it's a well used, but it works. I assure you. I think it's the same one that's cleaned up my beer. Right. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program. What's up? Hey, Rick. Hey. I, uh, I had an idea and kind of a thought. Uh, you were trying to think of a way to uh, make the, uh, the dead baby being carried around by the woman relatable to a guy. It's the weirdest no. sentence that anyone, even on this show, that's the weirdest <laughs> sentence anyone has ever uttered. Yes? All right. Just picture is this gonna be? Is this going to be completely horrible? Well, you, yeah. you've okay. used the right. descriptor uh, before. All right, let's go ahead. Just picture Elvis face down with, you know, like the 20 pounds of undigested meat in his colon. So a baby is, okay, so uh, you're saying in this story the baby is like undigested meat in the colon. Like that. So you just made Lisa recoil in terror. Uh, by the way, that story, the, uh, the baby story Ugh. did in fact make someone in the audience literally vomit. Uh, guys like, hey, How old was the woman? Uh, oh, 92. 92. She's had the baby in her stomach. And she still she got 32. the pregnancy belly going oh. on, so that's sexy. Jeez. All right. Uh, okay. Here's my, uh, my backup thought. Yeah. For the, uh, the Shamwell thing, you were talking mm -hmm. earlier about those old promos you used to see where they uh, take the uh, mysterious blue liquid and pour it into the maxi pad and all. Right. I think that Shamwell guy needs to think of some brand extension. Sort of the Tamwell. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's funny. Uh, if I were you, sir, I'd be sending that to SNL like today because it's funnier than whatever they're already planning on doing. So, all right. Thank you, sir. You all have a good weekend. Have a good weekend. Yeah, yeah, the Tam Wow. <laughs> Doesn't that seem like a thing that you would see on SNL like tomorrow? You would think so. Right. And it would be, you know, one of their like, you know, one of the guys being all cracked out and sweaty. It's the Tam Wow. <laughs> but then, and then they would do, I can totally see the sketch in my head where they have the tampon made of the Sham Wow. <laughs> And then the guy uses the little the little thimble of blue liquid, but then he reaches in. There's like a barrel of blue liquid. They just or he dunks it, or he dunks it into the barrel. And yeah. Well, should Lisa and I go into the kitchen and spill some things and yes. talk to you about how that? Absorbs? So how are we going to do this? We're going to be giving your phone. My speakerphone, maybe. All right. Okay. Okay. First, yeah, let me call. First thing you got to do though is don't forget to to wet the shamrock. Get it wet and completely wring it out. Now wait a minute. So you can't just use this? Like if you spill something, you can't just grab this and put well, it's it on. Like a chamois. Chamois don't work when they're dry. You got to get them. You got to get them damp. You got to wet it and then really wring it out and then have it have a nice dampness to it and it'll All work. Right. Okay. Is that you right there? Yeah. All right. Hold on. Let me just. Uh, hello. Hello. <laughs> Okay. Can you hear yes. me? Yes. yes. Wow. Yes. All right. Okay. Okay. Uh, All right. I'm going to stop talking on the phone. <laughs> Turn off your microphone. <laughs> hey, I'm turning it off. All right. There you go. All right. Uh, I'm going to hand this to you guys. All right. There okay. Right. Have fun. Have fun. Have fun. All right. I'm so going to turn this down a little. All right. So I have some water here. I don't want to spill any of these, though, so I'm just going to bring the water. All right. All right. So this is like the precious so, so Sarah Dillon and Lisa Hughes leaving the studio now with the uh, sham wow. Uh, by the way, I'm predicting it right now. This the fact that it's the sham wow. Oh, that's a weird feeling. I'm waiting for the door to close. All right, Sarah, can you hear me? Sarah? I can hear you. Okay, so I'm predicting it right now. By the way, the fact that you are using the sham wow is going to be an excuse for all the dudes in the building to come down and stare at the both of you. <laughs> um, and it's going to be like, dudes. let's go, let's go down and watch the uh, sham wow demonstration. And they're going to claim We're it's because. They're going to claim it's for the ShamWow, but really it's just going to be a chance for the dudes to come down and ogle you. Well, and the floor in there is perfect, because just, you know, spill a bit on the floor and use that. Just going to be able to watch Sarah and Lisa uh, on the floor. <laughs> watch them clean. Hey, let's go watch that hot news girl clean the floor. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, all right, so this is, what are you guys using? What are you going to be spilling? Okay. There's two. Sarah? Yes. All right, what are you going to be spilling? I'm filling up bowls of water. Bowls? Can it really now see now Scott in the infomercial? Does it really fill up a bowl of water? 
I haven't tried it. Or, you know, pick I, up a bowl I, of water. I wrung out the beer in the sink, and a lot of beer came out. You didn't wring it out into your mouth? <laughs> oh, <laughs> precious, precious life-giving ale. <laughs> All right. No, 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 no. All right, so... Uh, so. so I didn't try the bull trick, but you know, hey, maybe, maybe, maybe if they pour what they poured on the floor and then wring it out in the bowl and bring the bowl back in to see what uh, the volume. All right. So I'm waiting for Sarah to paint paint a picture with her words. It's supposed to be like completely wrung out, then. Yes. Yeah. So you get it wet and then you wring it out. It just and... has to be damp, not right. wet. That's like a job in itself, just wringing it in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. I think we've got it. All right. Hey, Sarah, can you do me a huge favor? Can you actually... Sarah? Sarah. Yeah, just stick it in the bowl. Sarah. Right. <laughs> Jesus. Sarah. Sarah Dillon. Yeah. Can you do me a favor? Can you actually pick up the phone and hold it and talk into it normally? Like this? Yeah, because we're, cut, we're, we're cutting out. We're not getting. We're not hearing you, so... Okay, so she's using the ShamWow. All right. She's dunking it in a bowl. Wait. Is this a big Wait bowl of water? It? It's a, it's a pretty decent sized water, and it is clean. Yeah. It is gone. All right, let's go on to bowl number two and see if a ShamWow can hold even more. This is, you know, we're All being right. utterly relatable right this now. It's completely relatable. Uh, wait. Oh, let's see. We have two bowls. Let's see. We have not hung up ShamWow. We have not hung out. Wait. Wait for it. We're trying to find a dry spot. Wait. It looks like two bowls of water. Should we go for three? Yes. Yes, you should. Yeah, keep going until okay, it doesn't work go. anymore. We're going to try. Yeah, just keep, go, keep going. See oh, what the maximum number is. Got a little bit of the third bowl. Got right. a little bit of the third. It's still kind of sucking up. So, all right. The sham wow. Can I say wow? Yeah. Yes. Please do. <laughs> I think that, okay. I think the sham wow might be full at two and a half bowls of water. Now, how is it? And so this is a dumb question. But is, it, is it really heavy now? Is it really heavy? Um, yeah, it was a little bit heavy, definitely. Okay. Wait, wait. I mean, it was a little heavier. So you feel, but you feel like the claim that it can that it can carry twenty times its weight in water, or whatever that it picks up three bowls of water, that that actually works. I believe too. And then we're going to clean the counter with damn wax. It's doing an amazing job. Please go. All right. Ring it out one last time. I have to say, it's a modern miracle. All right. So this, but you feel that it lives up to the hype. So we'll bring in, yes, we'll bring in the bowls and show you how much water right. we Excellent. Okay. Okay. Right. Fantastic. All right. So here come. Uh, okay. So Sarah and Lisa are going to be uh, coming back into the. Uh, they're going to be uh, coming back into the studio here. Um, all right, so here we go. Back into the studio. All right. So would you say that, I mean, would you say that the ShamWow did perform as the ads would lead you to believe that it does? I would think so. What do you think, Lisa? Absolutely. All right, so all right. we folded. So these were full of water. Right. So it, it absorbed two and a half bowls of water. Well, that's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's okay. Now, how much did that thing cost? A box of four of those big orange ones. Well, actually, I don't know how much it costs, really, because I, I got these for my family uh, for Christmas this year. We did a White Elephant gift exchange, right. and the theme was as seen on TV. Really? Oh, that's, that's a great idea. idea. Fantastic hey, idea. Hey, that's, that's really good. So uh, I drew the last number, so I got to see everything, and my cousin opened this. And, and is it like, the deal oh, where, like, and is it the deal where you can steal somebody else's yeah. gift? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, as, as soon it. as my cousin opened that, I'm like, sorry, brother, that's mine. You know what, <laughs> you know what I... Damn, wow. So, you know, um, Richie, don't type such horrible things on the screen. Richie, I need some of those next to my bed. Ew. That scene—that's what I'm saying. No, um, no, the can I just tell you this? So you got that as a white elephant gift. So, yes. so this is how they do it in Provo. So I was at Lars, you know, parents' house for for Christmas over the holidays. You know what I got? I got a uh, I got a small figurine. <laughs> John a Smith? Jesus, a baby Jesus? No, John Smith. It's a snowman riding a large chicken <laughs> while carrying a bucket of potatoes. <laughs> 
And I'm not making any of this that up. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I'll bring it in. Bring that in. It, is pre- it is pretty great. That's what my sister and I do is we buy each other porcelain figurines. I, last one I got her was an angel carrying like a chainsaw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like a whole series of them. There's an that angel with a so chainsaw, great. the one with the rifle, and the one with like a giant axe. That is fantastic. At the dollar store. It's like, who makes this? Yeah, I don't know who wanted a snowman riding a chicken carrying potatoes. but it What's was, the significance behind that? Is that like a, I don't a know, but, I, but, here, but here's the other thing. It's a matched set, but I got to get the other one because they only bought the one. The other one is a snowman riding a giant pig, uh, and then like carrying I don't know something else. It's something it's something weird like a frying Rude pan. It makes no sense. <laughs> All right, we'll come back after this. Talk to Scott Daly about changes uh, afoot at yes, geekinthecity.com and Film Fever Radio. Uh, your phone calls and uh, my final thought with Lisa Hughes. Uh, back after this, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. Oh, for what it's worth, I am still getting a lot of email about the baby lady. So, there's resonance there. Are you going to do it again next week? <sighs> yes. Okay. Yes. No, we can't have a tie. Yeah, it ties. Ties are good. Uh, and so forth. All right, it's 503-733-2970. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, don't forget to join us next week when our guests will include Jonathan Colton. Uh, will be on the uh, program and also uh, filling into the uh, news desk next week, among other folks, Darcy Zettler, uh, formerly of PDX. Uh, forty nine. So Darcy, she's cool. Yeah, um, yeah. it's uh, no. We've had uh, we've had a, a pretty wide variety of uh, yeah, folks. We're pretty glad about that. And you've hit a home run with most people. <laughs> <Put on laughs> Melissa, we've hit a triple overall. There you go, there uh, Lisa go. Hughes. First, before we do anything else, just thanks so much for coming. You sounded really, really great. Oh, so great. Thank you. That was a lot of thanks fun. Thanks for having me. We would love to have you back at some point. Absolutely. Uh, so check uh, rickemerson.com later on today. I'll put up some contact info for We're you. We're going to steal you from your insurance company. Okay. Yeah. Sometime in the future. Uh-oh. I'll come back again. <laughs> Sorry, Chad. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. How can I help you? Hi, Rick. Hey. Hi, everybody. What's up? I just wanted to thank you for your table at Powell's Bookstore. Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing, a fine advertiser yes. in the Rick Emerson program. Well, and whether they were or not, how cool is it that you guys share? Thank you. Well, they, uh, we have a table there. If you walk in, there's a table that says, as heard on the Rick Emerson Show, and it's books. That, there is. Yeah, and I'm going to try to make it brief and not suck. Uh, Chabot has Summerland, which is one of the best books I've ever read by Michael Chabot. Mike, and, uh, yeah, uh, the, he's the guy that wrote uh, The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. Oh, God. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. And Sarah, thank you so much for Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, good. I'm glad you liked it. Oh, my gosh. Well, now, it took me three times to watch it before I really got it. Mm. Uh, I dig that stuff. You know, I, I like to be able to... Um, Figure out what I didn't figure out the first time. It's an adult fairy tale. That's the well, about it. Eventually, we'll just uh, we'll just take over all the facets of your life. Pretty soon, we'll be telling you what to have for breakfast. Well, you're already on for four hours a day in my life. Well, and, thank you and so I much. respect and love you all. Well, but thank you. I just you. want to tell you, you're literary, and you're you know the way you articulate is wonderful. And, and I just appreciate. We should just have her compliment me till the end of the show. I'm just going to pull up a chair. Excellent. Well, I, just I appreciate that there's a table I can go and get like you know um, opinions of people that have the same thoughts I do about my breeding material. Well, on that note, I I thank you so much. We're going to have to skedaddle here so Scott Daly can shamelessly whore his website. Okay, but thank you so much for listening. You. All right, thank I, you. All right, there you go. First of all, next time you're at Cedar Hills Crossing, Powell, say hi to my sister. She works there. I'll say hi to so. your sister. Back off, Emerson. Uh, Scott Daly, uh, so what <laughs> yes, is the deal with Film Fever Radio? Okay, right now Film Fever Radio is we are changing the name to Geek in the City Radio and has nothing to do with, with uh, muscling anybody out, Mr. Emerson. Oh, I see, so you're not being moved at That's the curve. That's right, I'm not. Uh, mm-hmm. However, w- the reason we, we made the change is because 
our most popular shows were the ones we really didn't talk about film per se. We just geeked out about everything else, comics, music, whatever. Uh, so we decided that we were going to kind of open it up a little bit and come film, DVD, comics, TV news, uh, you know, comic news, and uh, so we can get better guests and whatnot as well. So, so it's wide-ranging geek wide news. Wide-ranging geek news. So now right. we are known as Geek in the City. We're going to have guests. This week we have the top ten uh, toys of 2008 from Dan Clark, and uh, Bobby comes in and rails, or Fat Boy comes in and rails on Stan Lee, which is fantastic. The show will be up later on this week. Bigger, better show. Also, February 21st, the Cosmic Monkey Comics, the Booyah Awards. Second annual awesome. Booyah Still Awards. Still calling them the Booyah yes, Awards? Yes, we are. <laughs> All right. Deal with it. You're coming, too. Okay. Well, there you go. So that's uh, more details on that. All right. coming, too. Uh, so once again, thank you to Scott Daly for coming in, uh, for coming in, and Lisa Hughes as well. Thanks for uh, having me. We'll come I back again sometime. Fabulous time. All right. Uh, we want to thank CNN Radio correspondents Lisa Desjardins, Steve Kastenbaum, and uh, Ed McCarthy, uh, and uh, so forth. Anybody else today? Anybody else coming today? Oh, uh, Court and Fatboy tonight. Uh, Battlestar Galactica. The Baghdad tonight, ten o'clock. Get there early, though. Uh, Rick Emerson show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for Amline Seventy The Talker. The newsroom Lisa Hughes on the phones. Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper, is Dave Zinn. The webmistress is Bridget from upstairs, and of course. CBS Radio, Portland Marketing Guru, Susan, don't F with me, Reynolds. As always, thank you for listening. Uh, be safe. Have a good weekend. Like us next. Michael Maris Show at 7. Miles around tomorrow, 9 to noon. And Musicology with Adam Thompson and Kristen Bowie, Sunday, 7 to 9 p.m. Uh, the, this weekend featuring Michael Ian Black. So, uh, anyway, be safe. Uh, like us next. See you all uh, next week. Bye now. You're going to love my nuts.